0: みずき
1: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Fumizo Ueda podcast. I am your regular host, Albert, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Logan and Mr. Nick Sutner, writer of Shadow of the Colossus, the book, from 2015. Welcome, Mr. Sutner.
2: Thanks, kindly. Thanks for having me on.
1: There you go. Um, I do have fun with writing, uh, you know, Nick, writer of Shadow of the Colossus, and I just leave it off. It's like... But from the book, the book from 2015, of course, you know. But uh, yeah, it's a
2: it's a weird weird name for the books in the series, but I guess it does the trick.
1: But I love it, and for me, really, and this is no smoke blowing at all. I, I gain nothing from stroking egos or just like going into superlatives or hyperbole. Um, they are inextricably linked to each other. Your book and this title, for me, uh, Nick, it's true. I I have to I, it, gotta say,
2: that's that's very kind of you, and I I really appreciate it. Um, I, it you know for me it's such like a yeah, personally, it it is something where the, the game is like such a big part of my life. So um, the fact that I was able to write something on it, I feel very lucky, and I'm really glad to hear it's had you know any any effect on people. So um, yeah. I appreciate it.
1: It was not only just in the words, really, of like how you phrased yourself throughout the book, but um, I mean, I read it to my girlfriend. She does um, sort of like emotional intelligence kind of work as well. Um, mm-hmm. she uh, sort of uh, deals with like nature of meaning, nature of like this, this aspects of psychology, spirituality. I read her one passage uh, from your book. I think it was a about um, the primal you said something about it, something from a primal dream um, mm-hmm. in the beginning and she just said this this guy this guy knows this guy this guy's this guy woke kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i was like and and again she's like she. My, my thanks to her no absolutely i'll pass that on and she also says that you are giving off very strong torment vibes from uh from uh, game of thrones so there you go
2: Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, I have gotten that one before. <laughs> I
1: don't, I dig it. So you are the perfect balance between Wallace and Gromit and Torment. Does that make you feel good, Mr. Suttner?
0: I'll take it. Yeah, that works.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Logan, how have you been, my friend?
0: I've been pretty good. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't really had time to read much of the book. Uh, I read the first couple chapters, um, but I will say that I have read uh, An Extraordinary Story, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. Beautiful collaboration between uh, you, Mr. Suttner, and uh you know gen design um really amazing piece of work i, I display it on my uh, dresser almost like a like some sort of collectible
2: yeah uh, it so. is awesome thanks i'm, I'm glad you've read it it's, <laughs> it's funny the difference between the two books because that one i think is such a really nice show piece and i didn't quite know what to expect but working with future press on it too just they do really beautiful stuff like when i received it, it it just made it really real and i was like wow this is such a beautiful thing whereas the boss fight books uh the physical book it um it's a nice book. It's got a really good, good hand feel. Um, yeah but it's much more of like, you know, it's a small production thing and it's much more like my own personal thing whereas The yeah. Last Guardian book is more sort of, you know, like an art book behind the scenes thing. So they're they're very different, but I was uh, very lucky to get to work on both ends of that spectrum.
1: Yeah, I will say that the the format actually for each of them suits what they each are perfectly because, um, you know, the, like at first glance, you see, you know, Shadow of the Colossus, that book on a, co- on, a, on a coffee table, you'd think it was, you would look at it and think, oh, that's a travelogue. That's like a booklet you bring with you, like, uh, you know, Lonely Planet right. kind of thing. Um, so, and that's really is very much what it does for that for the game itself so i think that kind of suits it. it is and I, I i um i put this in the message to you when i uh did up the business card and like the, all that stuff <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i'm really glad you like those but um yeah uh, on the board, I, I'm,
2: I'm even impressed with your show, your show notes you're like an opus
1: oh cheers <laughs> we're on about their to, own. yeah i uh, appreciate it we're about to um, dive into it that's kind of what we like to have kind of an opening chat here um again emphasis yeah. on the coziness and on the just like ah you're on for me to a uh-huh. podcast now this is like you know the the games themselves even though there's that aspect of kind of a little bit eerie a little bit otherworldly there's this comforting um aspect to them and we kind of wanted to carry that into the the show itself you know
2: yeah you're just trying to poke around in his brain a bit
1: that's right that's right um speaking of um what nick was just um, talking about with uh, our kind of opening um i'll crack on with that if that's cool um let's go for it so the artist Fumito Ueda, who created Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, and The Last Guardian, is currently leading his new studio, Gen Design, in developing a new title, The Girl and the Sleeping Giant, as we've come to call it. Each week, we chronicle the creation of this forthcoming adventure in the form of weekly news, informed and wild speculation, analyses, and more. Interwoven with reporting on and breaking down any and all new developments, we are also revisiting Ueda's first three titles, starting with Shadow of the Colossus, followed by Ico, and concluding with The Last Guardian. In doing so, we endeavor to compile a fully comprehensive archive of material, long-form, in-depth analyses and discussions on each character, creature, and location, personal stories from fellow appreciators of Ueda's work, interviews, theories, interpretations, and much, much more. The time has now come for Mr. Ueda's unmatched and inevitable form of ongoing storytelling, world-building, and overall contribution to the artistic validity and power of this medium, the most profoundly moving and life-affirming art form ever, to receive a thorough, intimate, and loving chronicle, now and for posterity, from the very community that is so embraced, cherished, celebrated, and resonated with the man, his team, and their work for close to two decades. We wish to thank you for the privilege of your time in listening in and joining us on this adventure. With that regular rundown out of the way, let's get the show started. Fantastic. Now let us dive right back in all to right. what we were doing, catching up. So how has your week been, uh, Mr. Satna, just in general, but also tying into anything with Shadow of the Colossus from Tooeira? Go for it.
2: Oh, uh, it has been good. Thanks. I was up pretty late last night. I went to a, a sort of all-day board game party. Um, nice. So I was there for like uh, eight or ten hours. Um, and anyway. I was actually doing some playtesting of my own board game there. Oh. Um, so I didn't get home till like one thirty a.m.,
1: is that is that a tease of, of, of something, or have you um announced it already? The um, board game?
2: I, I've sort of mentioned in passing, I guess, on in some other places that I'm working on something. It's it's been pretty like unofficial, just working on it with a friend of mine back in Chicago, um, my co designer. Uh, it's it's still pretty early, but it's sort of a um, two player co op uh, space survival game um, that we're working on, and uh, I think we'll probably be ready to announce it pretty soon, at least as like a thing with a name. Um, but hope it's probably still always away
1: please call it a thing with a name, please. <laughs> a thing with a name. <laughs> that
0: sounds kind of sci-fi. It kind of does. It yeah. <laughs> you know? does. It's true.
2: That's true. Um, funny. and then in, in the Ueda realm, um, I played. What did I play? I played Colossuses five through eight. I want to say uh, a couple nights ago. I'm sort of making my way slowly through the, you know, in the remake um, or the rebuild, whatever they're calling it. Um, yeah, the remasterpiece. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Yeah, I do have I do have sort of uh, mixed feelings about it. But yeah. maybe we can chat some more about that later. Remaster, but, um, but yeah, so I'm making my way through that, and then it, it's obviously been a lot on my mind recently, just with. Um, you know just talking to people about it and um going on some other podcasts and stuff and this past monday i was on sony's um uh sort of like introductory live stream the evening of release where we hung out for a couple hours and just played through the game and chatted so um yeah fresh on my mind for sure
1: for sure that's really great yeah and i've noticed um and obviously there's different recording times for things but in terms of like the chronology of me seeing you going on like for example kind of funny and then also the um playstation blogcast with uh, ryan and sid um mm-hmm. discussing the book um i'm not sure obviously how or when those were recorded whether there was not too long ago but it did it does seem that because obviously the, uh, the the remake coming out that um the book that you did put out in 2015 um it's that's you know i showed you the reddit post there like i'm basically saying look there's this like literally it's the perfect thing to go through this in a sort of Meditative, uh, stage by stage, <laughs> colossus by colossus, um, um, fashion, and 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 that it's synced up with what we're doing. Like I had almost, I have very. Um, I think I was aware of, of uh, your association with C- um, Celeste, um, mm-hmm. but I, I had no knowledge. Um, uh, and also of, I think Boss Fight books have done some um, uh, some books with uh, authors who have been on podcasts that I've heard, such as like you know, bonfire side chat. There's, I believe, there's a Dark Souls book um, done through a uh, Boss Fight.
2: Uh, not, not on boss fight yet. Okay. Um, there okay. was a, there was dark souls. There was a, they did a book of future press as more of a strategy guide. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think there has been, There's a dark souls, a separate book that I think Kesha McDonald worked on if I remember correctly, mm. but not butter boss fight specifically. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, it was definitely, you, you had been in the ether and now in focus, <laughs> Mr. Certner. here. Um, did you have a look at the Testament that I did did up for you?
2: Yeah, sorry which what which, which the,
1: oh, oh, like the, the, testament, the um, testament of amelioration it's uh, something we put together for only a couple of guests through Interactive Artistry every year just to really actually I mean again we're not like some big institution obviously we're still kind of yeah, starting yeah. out no thank but... you
2: I, I did look at it briefly yesterday uh, when you sent it yeah. through on Twitter uh, and it is very cool I'm looking at it again now I love sort of the art in the background and the, that wax seal <laughs> is pretty sweet
1: I dig it man Black, come on black wax because fuck you yeah, right? I know it's great <laughs> fantastic well um, uh, I appreciate that no, man, absolutely. I really, really um, want to um, just take that moment again uh, with 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 what with the sort of books that you do, and this is something I've talked with Ray as well, and 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 also um, Logan and and Sam, who's also on this show. He can't make it um, this um, week because he's um, celebrating his wife's birthday. And I was like, nice excuse, buddy. Honestly, I mean, we have Nick on the show. Actually, no, I didn't give him shit. But um, what I basically said is like, with this medium, um, we are um, in a, in a, in a sense. Uh, we can't we can't shake the fact that in a in a a very predominant sense game the word game is still associated with time wasting and uh strictly recreation or distraction or competition um where we are really trying to and that's if you look up the actual definition of ameliorate it is to better something and we want to really just better that term so that game becomes more like the association doesn't immediately like oh i'm going to play a game that's i mean nick when i say that i'm going to go play a game like doesn't that it does culturally initially like just on the surface basically connotate i'm gonna go waste time or something or other right
2: yeah i mean i think even you know when i talk to my parents about what i've been working on and doing for the past decade like it's there's just something that is is lost i think especially for a generation who um didn't grow up with it and in my case uh, parents who didn't grow up in the us um I was born in South Africa originally um I guess you probably read that in the book but um so there's a lot of things that are are lost and um it's just there's sort of a weird a weird generational gap generally, and I think that what they hear about games on you know on the news or in the general cultural consciousness just is is a fairly immature representation of where games are yeah. right now intellectually and emotionally. Um, and I think uh, you know in the mainstream AAA space too, uh, gaming does tend to have a bit of an arrested development and is still sort of um, you know needing to target the lowest common denominator in a lot of ways. Uh, so you know we are we are getting there as a medium for sure but i think the you know sort of the most visible games and the perception of games is catching up so it i is. think you guys doing any work in that space to better things is is great for everybody
0: i appreciate hey that hey albert yeah go um, ahead logan yeah did, um this this actually reminds me of something recently i don't know if you saw this was there not one of those uh those inflammatory news reports about how these video games are are poisoning our society in uh, i think it was adelaide and
1: oh yeah i think i did read about that yeah um yeah we have we have a very interesting relationship with games here in australia there's still it's interesting you hear it in the, in, in the news about just the government's like fundamental misunderstanding <laughs> of the medium really um but you're right like there's there's like um it, it happens all the time uh, you, i i'm very surprised that you heard about it like all the way over over yonder like uh but um do you have similar things that happen with yourself logan and and, and nick <laughs>
0: I mean, I was just saying it because, you know, that was, that was related to the, um, yeah the, uh, topic of discussion. And it's so crazy that those kinds of things still happen. I mean, um, it was totally misrepresented. Yeah. I saw it on the, on YouTube here. Someone made a video about it. Uh, the games journalist, Jim Sterling, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just was wondering if you had seen because that, that was, you know, where you live, um, which is disturbing, <laughs> frankly. It,
1: it uh, is. <laughs> it is disturbing. And it's nothing um I'm you know, I have to kind of fess up and like, yeah, I suppose I'm in the, the same country who who does have these kinds of attitudes, but uh but uh yeah, it's important to acknowledge that sort of thing. But yeah, it it only serves to, to underline that we still have a ways to go. And um with everything you do, uh Mr. Sutton and Nick, like uh, it's 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 worthy, it's meritorious of just taking that space and dedicating a yeah, like just well, I I, uh, I call it a commemorative thing, but it's also like a testament. That's why I use the word testament. So, um, right. and uh, yeah,
2: pretty. Well, like, I mean, like you said, it lined up really well, I think, chatting with you guys about what you're doing. And I think yeah. you, you know, the structure in which you approach the game, uh, covering it in the podcast anyway, is how I thought about it, obviously, in the in the book, too, of sort of breaking things down and diving in deep on each colossus and each element. So definitely yeah. excited to chat more with you guys about that stuff
1: really keen absolutely yeah and um, as i mentioned i think in like some of our correspondence um this is yeah like our first main sort of chapter by chapter we're going for it here the first couple of episodes had been essentially setting it up the very first one was um speculating on the girl and the sleeping giant which before we sort of dive into the forbidden lands and mono and wonder may i please have your just sort of hot take on the upcoming in development title from mr ueta yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I you know I saw the the image around New Year's or whenever that was, and uh, it was interesting. I I didn't think too much of it and haven't thought too much through. I think mm-hmm. hearing you guys chat a bit about it was sort of the first like dive I've heard into it. Um, you know, obviously there's there's imagery reminiscent of mono um, and sort of other like uh, you know protagonists and art direction that he's had. Um, so it made me think like, well, is this a development on some of the stuff he's done already is this something brand new that just has some thematic and visual similarities which i think i heard you guys talk about the fact that that might you know might be disappointing it might yeah. not i think we are ready for <laughs> for you know something different from him but yeah, of course i'm incredibly excited <laughs> yeah. about it. yeah i think <laughs> well, logan was maybe a bit more suspect of it but um <laughs> uh which is which is healthy and, and i agree and i think i would have you know if we saw sort of another game with a. Uh, uh you know a muted color palette and um soft lighting and everything like I think I might be a little suspicious at first but of course I think it would you know end up being incredible so I'm excited to see what what he does and hopefully on a shorter timeline of course and a little more independently I would hope so
3: um
2: I'm you know I'm intrigued for sure but I you know I sort of wasn't reading too much into it yet um yeah but I'm curious to see where it goes of course
1: yeah, and that's a healthy attitude to have. Um, but we're we we are not mm-hmm. going to be healthy here. We're, we're every every <laughs> every week we're we're going to like look at each and every damn brick and hair. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, and and I actually emphasise this is as much as we go in depth, we don't go like unappealingly, exhaustively, like obsessively conspiracy kind of theory in depth. Um, which because um, I'm not sure if you know, uh, Nick, we have Death Stranding podcast as well on our network. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's uh we have to always make sure we sort of rein it in because um again uh silence is um you know any can be anything and when there's like a big chunk of either enigmaticness or um uh yeah something that can be variously interpretable um if you're not careful you can go too far into stringing one assumption onto another until you have this sort of ramshackle theory that as soon as a new thing is released it just all falls down <laughs> you know yeah,
0: that's sure, yeah. you know that's kojima's specialty yeah, wait up uh, The way to thankfully is is a little more, uh, what's there is there, you know, that's right.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because I think, I mean, you guys discussed nomad a little bit. Um, and I talked, I talked about him in my book and I've been emailing on and off with him for a couple of years now. And, you know, he obviously in some ways went sort of down that deep, deep dive, like conspiracy path. Um, which was which was really interesting, and I, you know, as I say in my book, like I've never seen anything documented as thoroughly as I've seen him document Shadow of the Colossus, which mm. was incredible to just like pour over his blog. Yeah, would um, to have him on the show, actually. Yeah, no, that would that would be great. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is about Australians and obsession with this game,
3: <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um, yeah.
2: So, but, but it's interesting to sort of see some of his work and theories now pop back up with the, the piece, uh, in your parlance. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and there's now seemingly a trophy named after him and, uh, some of the sort of hidden coin stuff in the game tied into some of his work. And so it's just interesting seeing that culture of the game sort of come back and influence yeah. the latest version of it.
1: I, 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 absolutely, um, I totally agree with you, man. And Logan, did you have something for that one?
0: No, no, I just think it's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, yeah, I, did, sure. I just got that trophy today. Um, oh, look really at you. Cool I,
1: I made time. Yeah. I'm Logan. I made time to play the game. <laughs> I didn't have to edit a four-hour God of War podcast. No, no. no. Yeah, well, you know, we, I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm 14 out of 16 right now. I actually beat number 14, I think, like, five minutes before we started recording okay
2: yeah, very nice nice yeah I'm, I'm curious actually to see the like the final colossus and the ending because obviously mm-hmm. that hasn't really been in any of the media yet and i'm sure i could go youtube it but i want to see it for myself and mm-hmm. uh you know a lot of things look substantially different i'd say in the game in in some ways so i'm curious to see sort of how the whole ending looks uh you know, I guess I shouldn't spoil too much, but Sorry. just to see how that all goes down in the new version.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen for that as well, definitely.
2: Um, right, by the way, how spoiler-sensitive generally are we here? Oh, Do you want this to be really pristine open. for people new to the show?
1: I think we're, we're pretty open, aren't we, Logan? Just go for it. I mean, it's, yeah. again, the yeah, yeah, you can say
0: whatever. Yeah,
1: say whatever. Totally easy, totally okay. easy. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. Well, that was kind of, yeah, I wanted to get that hot take on the newer project. Um, And I just, I have to ask because, um, you know, out of nowhere, when I was reading your book, um, you know, it starts, as you say we can't go into Shadow of the Colossus without talking about ECO. And just Mm -hmm. that chapter, just your, like, however many pages um, made me just immediately want to play ECO as well. Like it really, (laughs) uh, yeah, that, that I just, again, breaking down, starting as comprehensively, maybe it's sort of a collective appreciation for like OCD stage by stage, you know, chapter by chapter, take your time uh kind of mentality that we all all of us share here um i really like that spoke to me so much man and i was like listening listening to this this chapter i was like um well i have to i have to ask him next time uh, you know when when i get the opportunity what would you think of an eco remaster coming from a uh, Bluepoint?
2: um yeah, that's a great question i mean i think it's uh, to me it's actually i don't know if it's the more obvious game but it's sort of a, a more important game for it in some ways because I think, and I've I've talked about this in other places, but I think Eco is, is a much more influential game overall, and maybe sort of mm-hmm. more important to uh, gaming history as much as I, you know, love Shadow, and that's my number one. Um, but uh, I think people having the opportunity to to play Eco, you know, easily would would be great, and it's a game you can play, you know, in like two sittings. So it'd be great to see, uh, you know, of course, having that level of um, remake. Like I said, I do I do feel a little bit conflicted about it, and I'm still working through those feelings, and I'm trying to sort of reserve my full judgment until I get through the game, but um, it does seem like a great next natural step, and I think especially this one sells well. uh, I think that will be, uh, you know, hopefully a great indicator that it's something they should should do.
1: Well, what we hope, actually, um, I'll just reveal this. Uh, What we hope is that, as you've been saying, you know, keeping your judgment, wondering, you know, uh, processing it, we actually hope that you'll actually fully unleash on this episode so that it's on record (laughs) that you hate the remake, (laughs) that, that you... (laughs) <laughs> that you are resentful to the utmost. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But needless to say, uh, yeah, I'm um, in whatever publication kind of way, or maybe in an interview at some point. Do you? I think yeah, you do have a blog, don't you, uh, Mr. Sadler? So- no.
2: Uh, not, the, not that ever used. So I, Twitter is okay. my, my most used outlet, but yeah, I mean, definitely I'd love to come back in a, a future episode and we can maybe like chat in depth once we've all had a chance to play through it. I'll
1: have you, um, take a moment to think about all the people that regularly Google in and go to your blog. They just look like children, like orphans outside in the snow <laughs> waiting for your next, okay, how can you do this? How could you do this Nick? <laughs>
2: I should just delete it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're on the mystery. That's all good. That's all
1: good. Well, um, off the bat, just so I don't forget, we um jump into sort of Reddit here and there because they're kind of um so sort of where we arose from, really. Um, I I think Reddit is a write-off. Um, uh, on the desktop, it's all about the app. Frankly, um, do you use it uh, by any chance, Nick?
2: No, I feel like uh, like Reddit. The fact that I've never been able to fully get into Reddit makes me feel very old. Um, that's fine. So I, so I, nice. I don't really. A friend has tried a few times, but I haven't. I haven't sort of used it for more than a few minutes. I think.
1: You show me if you show me that on on the desktop, I'll immediately just crack your laptop in half. It it, it angers me how cluttered and awful it is compared to how smooth and like streamlined and, and in, entirely awesome and like humanity affirming the damn app is. I because see. you 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 go, you choose whatever kind of outlets there's humanity being bros, uh, you know, animals being bros. You go like you open it up. Sometimes it can it can turn my entire day around. How awesome this app is! So it's
2: a great okay, while I'm talking to you, so oh my man, my
1: man.
0: Yeah, uh, it's you know, it's um, it's a place of great, it's a place of great good, and also it could be a place of great evil. Uh, it can be, <laughs> as, as
1: Logan has experienced with the, uh, yeah. like yeah. you for loving or appreciating the remake, being like, hey, kill yourself, Logan. It's like, buddy, chill out. Yeah. okay, this it isn't. <laughs> right. You know, it, and I and as I iterated on that episode, Nick, it's just like the furthest thing that that's about is Fumito or Logan. It's like, look at yourself, buddy. Like, honestly, you know, for your own mental health. Uh,
0: it's surprising. To, to see someone like that even, you know, with such a um I don't know, kind of an angry personality even enjoying Ueda's game. But you know, maybe it's a testament to uh, to how many people Ueda can uh, reach out to with, with his titles. So I
1: suppose I suppose that's a very kind way of putting it and uh we'll leave for the after show of just like actually venting about these People. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, look, exactly. No, we don't do that. Um, but yeah, we have um, one comment for yourself, uh, Nick, uh, among many. Um, uh, Praxada says, "Cool. I had no idea this book existed, but it's now on my wish list. I guess my question is, what's the most surprising thing that he discovered as a new uh, about Shadow?" Edit. Have you thought about sharing this on GameFAQs? Their board of the remake is a bit more active than this one. So anyway, I'll leave that to later. But yeah, he asks. Um, so, what was the most surprising thing you discovered about A Shadow of the Colossus in your de- on your deep dive? Oh man,
2: um, that's a great question that I probably don't have like a default answer to. Um, I think just some of the, like, uh, I- I'd never really gone down the fan, the the rabbit hole of fan theories that, that Nomad and some others sort of led the charge on. Um, and I found it really interesting. And I think even things like the previous Wanderers theory, which talks about uh, sort of different places in the game where it seems like, um, you know, wanderers have been there before, um, and there's sort of little leftovers of campfires and other things. And this isn't the first time this has happened. And I think I find that sort of like cyclical nature in a lot of media really interesting. And there's other books and things that I really have enjoyed that in. And I think that's definitely a theme, a potential theme over a his games. So, um, mm. seeing a theory like that just sort of makes me reevaluate re- things a little bit. Um, and just, you know, have a different sort of open mind when I play the game. So mm. that stuff was really cool that I just didn't have any awareness of before really diving in on the book.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that I sort of took away from like the very beginning of the book as you, as you, you're sort of setting the stage in the early chapters, um, uh is just describing the environment right um and like even though you know as you say like this it's really hard to sort of pin down as you said that you don't have sort of a default answer for it but um i i kind of have to sort of tap into what maybe logan probably is either thinking 24/7 or whatever kind of led him to kind of <laughs> do his blog and everything is that um it's less so much there's nothing like oh look i found like a rock and if you look underneath it there's Fumito's face like like he doesn't do um you know Kojima style like surprises or anything like that more of it uh, more so it's it's uh, I find that it's the 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 amount of time spent actually sitting with the material that can lead to surprising revelations you know about um And that's what I feel as though the best of art can do or what like art's sort of purpose really is to kind of reshape worldviews and um, sort of shake kind of our cores and into sort of becoming more open-minded and um, yeah, like mindful people. Um, And like, that's something that like is very much wrapped up in in your approach, um, definitely, Uh, Nick
2: yeah i think that's sort of like uh just time spent and in this case uh you know like what what are we at 13 years like mm-hmm. people have time have had time to marinate on all these things and really um you know dive deep on them and regardless of Ueda saying like there's no more secrets to find it hasn't stopped you know anybody and that's That's part of what's sort of uh, unique and exciting about the game is like, he's never, he's never given all the answers, which is very rare. And so that's why people are still looking. And that's why the game has this culture of mystery, uh, that it still has. And I think that's really important. And that's why it's, uh, sort of withstood this sense of time in a lot of ways and, or the, the, you know, test of time. Um, and I, I guess in some ways too, that's, that's, uh, part of some people's feelings about the remake too. And it's not just mine. Um, you know, I was being a little like cheeky about it and I do have, <laughs> you know, I'm still working through it, but there's a great article I read. I was read on Eurogamer um, called the question of fidelity in shadow of the Colossus. And just talking about how, um, a lot of the sort of the game originally was just sort of the suggestion of an environment and a lot of sort of suggestive imagery because it didn't have the resolution, you know, back on PS2 to really render these things perfectly. And, you know, so there was a lot of space to sort of fill where your mind could just fill things in and have more of a theater of the mind experience, whereas now mm-hmm. with the remake, everything is like. You know, sort of photoreal and um, doesn't leave as much room for interpretation. Uh, yeah. Which you know, it, it is beautiful, but something is lost there, certainly. And I think if people are playing it for the first time, of course, they're not going to know what is lost. But I think there is something um, that you know when you, and and honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot too, and I have not, I haven't said this out loud to anyone yet, so maybe it'll come off as gibberish. But I think actually, in a way, even um, the fact that like photo mode is in the game, as as cool as that is. I think that feature alone is like really antithetical to yeah. Ueda's mm-hmm. games where, uh, you know, it, they're so authorial and so careful and so nuanced. And when you put a lot of that, uh, sort of those tools in the user's hands, um, it's cool in other ways, of course. But again, something fundamental, you know, is lost about the experience.
1: I think, um, you know, the difference between, for example, exhibitionism and uh, like, be- between uh, exhibition and expedition. Like for me, it's like, when you're immersed and you're literally on an expedition into this title, into these stories, and this is something that I regularly clash with as a kind of a quasi Luddite with um, like PlayStation Network notifications popping up, the share button, all this such thing. And I don't, again, I don't want a a hundred, maybe if we even have a hundred listeners, I hope we do. Um, But a hundred uh, millennials, maybe, I don't know, or like, technology leaning people just rolled their eyes when i said that because it's like oh you can turn it off in the notifications and you can ignore the photo mode and look at you taking your stance on like oh what real blah and it's like i that's i totally everything like that's all valid different viewpoints like that are valid for sure but um i it it's it it takes away like for example last guardian that didn't have a photo mode right no. right no, that's true. exactly and and you're right that authorial aspect that deliberate you know stage by stage being immersed like i wouldn't if i was reading for example like to you know who knows down the line like my daughter or son reading a book i wouldn't jump out and be like what are you thinking of this oh about this angle oh, <laughs> da, da, da. it's like no you're in the story um and you don't have this sense of like wouldn't it be great if i pause the game right now and how beautiful is this to the to the like you should just have it be it's <laughs> i think i suppose it's an extension of um the idea of not being present at like a concept for example or if at like a music event you know you mentioned having watched yachts recently right Mm -hmm. yeah that band um how many people had their phone out for example right
2: (laughs) it's right yeah yeah yeah. it just just changes the way you're engaging with that thing fundamentally and you know i'm I'm guilty of it too i mean you know when i was fighting gaius you know third colossus in this remake of course um you know i like when i was up on his head that's one of my you know sort of that's what been some of my most favorite imagery from the game for these 13 years and I love that moment mm-hmm. and so of course I popped out the photo mode and I turned the night mode on and I swung the camera around um and it was super cool but it it just was a different experience it wasn't yeah. it wasn't quite this you know this weird sentient thing living in this video game who I'm intruding on you know suddenly it was sort of just like this toy box for me to yeah. experience yeah. um and more of like an homage to what the original experience was right. which Again, is not none of this stuff is like inherently a bad thing, but it does it does change it, um, mm-hmm. and I think it changes it more than um, people realize when they sort of hear that Shadow of the Colossus has a remake. Like to me, it to, you know to me thinking about it more as an homage like makes more sense because calling it a remake it, remake is not I don't know it doesn't feel quite right.
0: There have been times when when I've used the photo mode in cutscenes and I've like <laughs> felt a little bad after that, like when a colossus <laughs> is is dying. Especially I've, I've, I've done photo mode like several times, either while the Colossus is falling or just after when the tendrils are coming out. And I've always like felt kind of bad about it after. So I I do you, that was a great way of putting it where you said like being able to freeze that thing, um, changes how it feels. That was a really great way of putting it. So yeah, I I totally do understand that. Something I I did want to ask you, Nick, um, was, you probably have, have actually talked to Ueda and you've been at Gen Design um, mm-hmm. and you've written multiple books on these games. Would you feel like you have a little more insight into to this universe than other people? Or do you still feel kind of just as baffled as everyone else at some of these questions everyone has about the Master of the Valley or, or pretty much any aspect of it?
2: Man, that's a great question. Um, I guess I may be, on a, a practical sense, I may be know more than than most people only from sort of being in the belly of the beast in a sense um especially you know when we were working on the last guardian book and then you know being in Gen design and talking about these things and without being too much of a tease like not everything made it in the book like there were certainly Mm -hmm. things where we sort of over discussed and then we we had to pull things back a little bit and so i i think sort of logistically i know maybe a little more than the average person but that said uh Still, there there are reams of mysteries and the big the big mystery. Like I don't know the big answers, you know, the important mm, stuff. Um, right. But honestly, I, I don't know. And it's you know it's tough because I think a lot of this is lost in translation too in, in chatting with the team casually. But. I, I don't know that, that all of the team does necessarily either. I think a lot of it really does, like, you know, exist in in his head, and that's part of the magic of it. And, you know, he shares what is important to share and keeps some stuff to himself. And I think there's, I think he's the only one who has a lot of these answers, literally. Um, so, uh, you know, there's sort of this extension of, like, the team knows it more than he does, and then Sony knows, a, or, like, the team knows a bit less than he does. Sony probably knows a bit less than that. You know, I know a bit less than that then you guys know a bit less and then you know but (laughs) no one really has all the answers so um i think again that's part of the mystery of the you know of the game and the culture of the game and that's why it's fun to, to chat about
1: the other one thing sort of that was touched on earlier was about like Ueda's relationship with his own work, um, and this is something that again I kind of wanted to throw to Logan because he's spoken to me about um, how it, that he's found that that like kind of like fascinating. Um, that his approach is always a little bit his, his his sort of yeah attitude to his own work is always v- very different to what um, the wider world um, kind of thinks. So did you have anything to speak to that, Logan, with like Nick here?
0: Um, no, I mean, I, I've, I've said what I said about it. it. It's, it's just very interesting how humble he is yeah. and just how he, um, you know, he, he just never goes too in depth on almost anything, um, just concerning his own work. Um, and yeah, it's just always very interesting to to hear him talk about his games, uh, because like, it, it, he'll talk about them like they're uh, video games the same as any other the same as dying light which is a game that i know he liked uh from a couple of years ago yeah um, and obviously to us they're they're very different from that so yeah that's just a something very interesting about him and then maybe other japanese creators might share that uh
2: aspect.
0: yeah yeah well, and, yeah, yeah I, I think
2: part of that too it just comes from from japanese culture as well about being mm-hmm. incredibly humble and i think different. spending you know a little bit of time there over a few trips i think that is something that um yeah it just goes part and parcel with with the culture beyond just professionally but in general um and so i think their you know japanese creators relationship to their work is probably different i think than the than the western world and sort of um you know, being sort of more, uh, overt authors, uh, or authors of the, of the stuff and being sort of a very, you know, a vocal singular voice, like a, like a Ken Levine or someone who, you know, is, mm-hmm. is certainly as humble as he needs to be, but clearly he's the visionary behind his works. And so, and that's I mean, part of the culture of it. Whereas I think Ueda is like the reluctant visionary in a sense where, you know, he knows he is, but it's not in his, it's not in his nature or his, or his, his, you know, the way he's grown up to really sort of lean into that.
1: True. That's right. Um, yeah, I think the main thing that when I um, when I sort of see Uedo and talking about his work and stuff, it almost feels like he's a, he's a developer for another series of games in, in a way, because he, he talks about them in different terms. Um, I just I came off of like um, art school and stuff. I particularly have a chip on my shoulder about when, um, I wanted to share this with you, Nick, when um, people just sit like, for example, in front of like a toilet seat above, you know, just like maybe suspended with like lights around it and just say, oh, and they just clap and they say, oh, look at the layers. Wonder what the artist was in te- intending. With like the way that the toilet seat is flapping and oh the 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 meaning the significance and and I, i have a particular chip on my shoulder for people who who literally can't distinguish like this is shit this was a fuck up and stop trying to like read into it and give it all these layers um and and so one of the things that like for example last guardian gets is the idea and also actually all of them they all the janky controls quote quote unquote um earlier in your book you earlier in, in in your book you discuss how like he actually deliberately it was a conscious thing to want to get non video game people on these to be to be able to convey a non video game in, in essence experience without heads up displays or any of those sort of trappings and tropes um right. and yeah that's right and so and what i kind of found with Last Guardian is that every all of these were intentional like it, it all i, I I'm, and then again maybe even like intentional or not like they left it in because it serves it serves the narrative like a, a child is a bit like kind of like as you write write earlier in your book they're sort of slippery and they like kind of just they're they're gangly in the way that they move and the same with the boy from last guardian and then the biggest Mm -hmm. one for me because as i mentioned um logan talked about how like he's a shadow guy he came in at shadow um i i would take it that because you experience eco you sort of that was the first experience sort of you had uh nick with this with yeah, game yeah, right you know? yeah. and for me i'm a last guardian guy um that game in in and i really i stand to gain nothing from blowing things out of proportion is it's a game that kind of essentially saved my life because it was um mm-hmm. i had a pretty awful um military accident lots of um I was left out on a firing range, actually. It was pretty hectic Uh, in in, uh, 2007, and then leading into um, like in that whole recovery period, it was basically, you know how they have like comfort animals that they give like people who have suffered PTSD? Trico was my comfort animal, you know? Um, I I dove straight into it. I connected immediately with this reassuring huge kind of boy and his beast kind of presence, like ready to sweep me off into another place where there wasn't that kind of level of pain or whatever, or confusion or doubt or anything, Um, and I connected immediately with like the struggle of trying to put this beast on PS3, you know. Um, and, right. And when right. I when I um, sort of followed the development over the however many years, I just saw like Fumito became the boy, and the beast became the beast of the game of the development. And trying to con- get that thing to go where you want it to go, like that's what Fumito was doing. I was wondering if you saw that de- the development of Last Guardian in that same kind of metaphorical way um, compared to the gameplay and such.
2: Um. I guess not, I, I didn't see it as, as his journey as much per se, but maybe just the journey of the game and, and sort of, you know, its history, moving platforms and everything that it went through. Um, you know, and I think that, that the team probably does have sort of some some trauma from that in some sense, and I'm sure he does as well. But, uh, you know, I think just making it out on the other end, uh, you know, intact, as I'm sure, you know, you experience a little bit um, in the, you know, situation. You're talking about, like, yeah. Sort of that's the important takeaway and the fact that they were able to make it to that point um, and now sort of have their have this thing. And I'm sure it does feel like a weight lifted in some ways. And I think that's why it's also especially interesting thinking about, you know, what what's next for them and going into that without any baggage at all, uh, I imagine. So um, and I think, you know, honestly, when I was there for Last Guardian, um, it was still a little bit, you know, a little bit raw for them. Yeah. And, you know, the first it was I was there for two days and the first day uh, I played through the whole game um, with the whole team there, except for Ueda or I I didn't play the team, played it in front of us and we sort of chatted. And then the second day um, we sort of finished it up and then Ueda came by um, and we had a long interview and chatted and stuff. But I think, you know, for him, it's like he didn't really want to be around for the playthrough because it's sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been living in this space for so long and so far, uh, you know, in it that it's it's, I think was probably probably hard for him at the time being so fresh of like let's you know re-examine the whole thing from the start so yeah
0: yeah there was um a recent interview with uh Famitsu that awaited it was a discussion that to took part in with uh Hideki Kamiya and yeah. uh Masahiro Sakurai where he actually says uh that he doesn't really like to watch people play the games um I think partially because uh development can can often be so hard so you're, you're definitely absolutely right on that it's really interesting to know that you've experienced that firsthand
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for sure And yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I think especially after something of that, you know, of that length and and everything. And I can, you know, seeing uh, in the indie game space, which is where I tend to sort of operate professionally and personally. seeing games like the iconoclasts and gorgoa that have been uh, in development for seven to ten years uh, by Gorgo. a single person and yeah and having those games come out like i'm I'm sure it's i can't imagine how it is for for those folks too that seems even more intense when you've just sort of been down in this world by yourself for a decade um mm. so uh yeah i mean it's you know that is to say it is obviously not the only person going through that but I think his games tend to have the most visible, uh, you know, the most visibility while it's happening and the most public baggage. So I think the fact that Last Guardian came out and is as good as it is in a lot of ways um, and and had the impact that it had for a lot of people is is honestly incredible, um, given the histories. Uh, I think we're all lucky to have that.
1: We yep. are, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just that testament. Um, I, I kind of put really Last Guardian as like the heart of interactive artistry, really, because there is a, there was a question, and it, it, there's no way that a development that long, um, uh, can you know go like the process of that. There's no way that throughout that you wouldn't have start to have questions of like, is this worth it? Could, could I? Can this actually be done? Um, you know, it's been this long. Um, you know, should, should it be shelved? All this thing. Um, I kind of connected that with like, you know, um you know this is, here's the thing like journey had risen up that game company is is killing it with like sky and uh, abzu is you know there's this rise and obviously these games that since eco and since you know shadow of the colossus that there's been this, being, this uh, culture of call it art game whatever you want but again there's some um, this particular genre of, of titles, and just the expansion of what um, games can do emotionally, psychologically, symbolically, philosophically. Um, and I can I'm sure that like in the middle of that, it's like ten years. Well, um, it, I mean, like it seems as though things are really taking off on their own. Does this really need to exist? And um, that is what I connected with interactive artistry. Is, does this need to exist? Sure. Like you'll have people on comments uh, on and in interviews, they'll throw it to they'll throw it to games and uh, in terms of how their are sort of their artistic growth and the medium maturing. But we don't really need a dedicated outlet for it we don't need it that's what. what is that like you know and uh, wondering about whether or not that needed to or was worthy of existing and at, at one point like when i saw um it was it was sort of it sort of carried me through that way so um in in in, in relation to shadow because i know you've written this book did it have any kind of um without obviously going into anything you didn't want to share nick but um was there anything of a personal connection uh to the titles that um that maybe you haven't covered in your books that maybe that they uh with spending this length of time with the material and, and the subject matter of like sacrifice and uh, anything that resonated there?
2: Um maybe not thematically in that sense, but I think the you know the game has informed sort of my aesthetic so much and what I appreciate in art and a lot of sort of the the mystery I appreciate in life. And uh weirdly even having a taste for things like escape rooms, I think in a yeah. lot of ways is tied back to the shadow for me. Um even though it feels pretty disconnected. Uh but um And then I think for me, writing the book on an existential level felt really important because I'm someone who does sort of live in a state of existential crises in, in, uh, you know, a lot of the time. Um, just in like you know, sort of the what is my what is my impact on Earth? What am I leaving behind? What am I really doing? Like all that you know, that typical stuff. Um, Um, You you and me are brothers. What
1: the hell? That's literally my life at all (laughs) times, constantly. (laughs) Go for it, buddy. uh,
2: I think you know, I think just having the opportunity to write the book and and get that out there. Like, at least I can say this is my you know sort of I mean it's you know whatever even reading it two years later it's like I'm sure there's, there's always some things that would change but looking back it's like I got to write pretty much the book I wanted to and talk about a thing that I love like you know write my love letter ultimately to a thing that has been really you know important and a big presence in my life so that to me was important it doesn't really parallel any of the you know necessarily the game thematically but that's sort of the personal impact it had for me um, was was being able to get that out there and and the last Guardian book, honestly, was just sort of icing on the cake. That was really fun. And, yeah. you know, I got to go meet with the team for that. And that was just a great, a great time. And it was fun sort of being able to, to go into that, um, uh, you know, having been the guy who wrote the other book. And uh, honestly, one sort of funny story, which I don't think I've told anywhere, but um, is, uh, you know, I interviewed Ued a couple times over email way back when I was in the press, like, you know, eight, ten years ago, and then for my shout of the Colossus book. Um, so I think he had some sense of, of who I was, but he didn't realize that I was the one writing the last guardian book. So when I showed up there and like met him for the first time and was introduced to him, uh, he was like, Oh, Nick Sutner!" Like he was like really sort of happy and pleased that I was the one writing <laughs> the last guardian book. Um, yeah. so, uh, that was really like a nice heartwarming moment. Cause he, I was pretty nervous to meet him. Like, you know, having worked in games for, for a decade, like I've met, you know, sort of a lot of the, the big you know, long-time creators and people who worked on things I grew up playing, and at this point, just sort of, I, I don't really get nervous and or or you know, excited in that sort of like fanboy way. But for him, you know, obviously meeting him had a different sort of baggage as this very elusive figure. Yeah. Um, but when I did, it was like he was immediately cool and chill, and we had a great chat. Um, but it was really nice that he had some context for who I was already going into it. So again, that that made it sort of all the nicer that I got to like get this this document out there
1: yeah seems like a really grounded kind of vibey kind of guy you know Um, nothing yeah. again that would I mean sometimes Kojima I know that he leans in, leads into his sort of rock star kind of status thing but um, but Fumito I get the that's it's funny I, I use the analogy of why I why I titled it Fumito Ueda Podcast is like it's not so much as like an idolatry or kind of like boosting the guy himself sort of thing it's more like if it's as though he was my friend at a party and he's just like super introverted and humble and I just nudge him in the side it's like hey this is, this is you okay <laughs> right. this is you and <laughs> right, right yeah exactly Um, and that one point of you. and then the other one is um because he's changed studios a couple times i don't want to have to change the name of the podcast again so he won't change his name yeah. so yeah <laughs> that <laughs> <You> works <know. laughs> that's right for sure well um logan unless you had any other kind of extra ditties to throw to nick before we dive into yeah mono wonder and the forbidden lands um i'm happy to crack on was there anything else no let's do it let's do it fantastic so let's crack on again um listeners uh in my messages to nick i kind of we sort of wanted to get him on this particular episode it was an option to do next week's but because we want to kind of again maintain sort of our um, structure and everything is um the idea that uh yeah so he's kind of sending us off really in that kind of gandalf kind of way and the beard just totally makes it work as well (laughs) because he's sort of handing us this literal actual dedicated tome which is super magical how that literally materialized we were setting up to do this nick you have no idea how surreal this is to come across your book and be handed this and i have it on my ebook reader now (laughs) and to be because we're going to read the um you know the beautiful kind of poetry for each of the colossi at the start of each colossi episode there's going to be music in in the background we're going to ruminate on the meanings you know um even though they're the fan names we're going to speculate on like quadratus and barba we're going to talk about that as well um so we couldn't have really, honestly, couldn't have hoped for a, a better person to have done this book. Uh, grateful for who you are, that you exist. Thank you, my man, Nick. <laughs> no, I'm glad <laughs> it worked out. My pleasure. Fantastic. So um, I think I might, if that's Nick, um,
0: did did you make those fan names? I... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you did. Was that secretly you? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It wasn't
1: me. That was just the ether <laughs> of, of, of the internet. Yeah. Oh, Nick, do you yeah. remember the ARG? You remember those podcasts, right? That came out with like the the, the, the viral marketing for Shadow back in 2005.
2: Not really, actually. I did a little, little bit of reading on it, but I don't, I don't, I didn't experience it at the time.
1: Yeah, with these like tiny little like one one forty four p videos of like person going to Antarctica and discovering like Barbara buried under the snow. We're gonna have a de- right, episode right, right. dedicated to that. It's gonna be crazy. But oh, um, cool. um, you know what? We'll we'll, we'll circle around. So uh, I'll throw it to Logan just to kind of even out the sound waves. Logan, um, when you first played Shadow of the Colossus, entered the world we are along the ridge, we're on aggro, we see the eagle, we're entering the Forbidden Lands. What brought Wander here? Who is Mono? Just have your spiel. We'll go around in a circle, comment on each other's kind of ditties, and we'll go from there. Go for it, Logan.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, it, you know, like I've said, I, I tend to um, not stray too far from what I can actually visually see. Yep. Um, so there's like, I don't have head cannons that I'm like, oh, this has got to be it. You know, for me, like, Wander is, is a young man. Uh, who is probably not too experienced, um, in combat or, or anything of that sort. Hmm. Um, and he stole the sword, um, and he stole mono. Uh, so they were probably, they probably sacrificed her. They were probably going to bury her. He probably took her from whatever, wherever they had her body, yeah. uh, and he, and he, you know, stole off into the night, um, And that's, uh, you know, basically enough for me almost, I mean, (laughs) you know, um, I I think Mono, um, probably was someone of some high sort of standing, you know, she's dressed in white, she looks very queen, Mm -hmm. uh, and she was probably, you know, could have been some sort of priestess of some kind who sort of, they, they maybe knew they were going to sacrifice, you know, Mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, I love and the you know, idea of her uh, being like
1: a holy kind of a uh, holy figure in in some community that like maybe again because of some sort of eco style infringement of like convention of like oh you know we can't have you here again that that connection with um with with eco there and um and mm-hmm. yeah exiling you know, like your order sort of thing but yeah go ahead man
0: yeah and and you know I, I um I wonder if you know uh we don't know so much about the sacrifice is so interesting to I mean, we 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 don't know. You know uh, we, we know almost nothing about it. I wonder you know maybe she was had come to terms with that. maybe mm. she was okay with it. Uh, and obviously Wander was not. Um, you know maybe she believed in, in whatever Lord Iman and, and the others believed. Um, that's that's a kind of a really interesting question I think about the games, but it's it's one that I'm okay with not knowing the answer to. yeah um, And you know I, I would love to to see you know if the the, the movie project does happen. Um, I've said I think on past episodes that I wouldn't necessarily mind to see them elaborate on this because this is not a video game. This is a movie. Yeah, if you, separate separate thing. My yeah, my, my line on, on that basically is that if you want the version of Shadow of Colossus that is as mysterious as it can possibly be, we have that version. It's the it's the video game. Yeah. Um this can be a different version that does have a couple of flashbacks in it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, hopefully they don't mess with those too much. Um, but
1: him, me Muschietti, uh, you and your, you game, and your ego with like succeeding at it. Now he's got his head is all inflated. Oh, it did so well. If he does jump back into it yeah. after doing Stephen King, is like, oh, don't you mess with it. I'm, I'm watching you.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He he strayed very close to the book for it. So I, I kind of doubt that uh, Andy Muschietti will, will come back to the the Shadow of the Colossus project. But okay. if he does, I think he would probably do it pretty well. Hmm.
1: Okay cool um nick did you have any sort of riffs off what uh, logan just sort of um, raised
2: yeah i think it's interesting thinking about um their relationship too between wander and mono and it was something actually that i noticed on the the back of the box art i have the box i'm holding the box now from the the remake Mm. um they actually have a line that says explore forbidden lands on a quest to bring your love back to life which i think is probably just some like you know lazy like marketing text i don't think it really (laughs) implies anything about it but i think uh, you you know in a way it's sort of a funny um you know, when I talk about sort of taking some of the mystery out of it, that's sort of a funny way to do it, because I think their relationship really wasn't clear uh, before. And I think that's always been a point of interest for me. It's like, maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's a girl you love. Who knows? Um, and I think also. I into. Uh, or your mother. Sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and um, which I guess she sort of becomes uh, at, at the end in a way. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and yeah, thinking about her state as well, like, is she dead or. Or is she just in some sort of unconscious coma or some state? Like, there's all these basic questions about it, of course. Um, And then you mentioned sort of like the. You know the maybe like royal appearance and i think that that ties it back to some fan theories about her connection uh, to the queen and eco and mm-hmm. you know maybe she's the start of the or maybe you know she will become the queen or maybe she's the start yeah, of this line I, of children and all these <laughs> other things so
0: yeah for the record um I, and i've said this in the podcast before i tend to really dislike the mono is the queen theories so that's that, that was not what i was going for but um <laughs> But obviously, if you were a proponent of those theories, you know, that is what it is. You know, that's the the wonderful nature of these games that you can think yeah. whatever you want.
1: I actually pushed uh, Logan in one of the earlier episodes to, I said, no, no, give us something. Give us a nugget, man. We were analyzing um, the girl in the sleeping giant to the nth. And um, and I was like, come on, man, like, just give me something that I can like end the episode on. And he's like, okay, fine. I think the girl <laughs> on the plinth in that teaser shot that, yeah, yeah. She, she's the queen from me. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which
0: I was not 100% serious. I know, about I, I know. That. I was um, kidding
1: yeah <laughs> but that's it uh, but yeah uh, please continue nick
2: oh no sorry that was yeah that was that was my main riff off okay. of it it's just it's interesting thinking about their you know uh their relationship and their roles and mm. um and then just thinking about yeah his role versus uh or i, I maybe it's more the the curse nature i guess of, of mono and also of the boy uh you know in in eco and that parallel and obviously these are themes they keep coming up in his games
1: yeah That's right. Um, Just to sort of circle it to me, I'll throw it back to Logan after this is, um i see obviously the universal interpretability really is how things endure um you know logan has this blog uh, this blog called um uh, the lands of light and dark and um on one of mm-hmm. our earlier episodes we discussed what endures what is the ingredients to something that endures and to an extent it is a degree of ambiguity there's a degree of sort of elementality things that are um just things that kind of that are constants across years across cultures um the right. the child or oh, sorry the um uh, the, uh, the the boy and the girl is a constant, that's a classic, that's an archetype um, uh, and the saving of one of the other is also an archetype um, and we also know that both in um, his uh, presentation, as in like we see again he's got this sort of sad face but he's got this heroic vibe with his cape and his sword but there's this sullenness, there's this juxtaposition between the light and dark always and light and dark always come up and that's why I said look, really couldn't have th- thought of a better title for, for the blog there for that one <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, because um, everything in this game is tinged with both, uh, very much. And um, in in this beautiful altruistic act of wanting to bring back a loved one, he is messing with that which shouldn't be tampered with, which is nature, which is uh, the law of the laws of life and death and, and light and dark, really. Um, and the the demon kind of you know of Dorman, really, which by the way, phonetically, demon Dorman. Um, Dorman also you know has uh, dormiente, which is uh, Latin and, and Italian for sleep. You know again. Yeah, existing in that realm between death and life, which is sleep. You know, which is what um
0: the the uh there's yeah. the Nimrod uh, connection as well, where it's an anagram for Nimrod, who is the Tower of Babel. He built the Tower of Babel in the Bible.
1: Yeah. There you go, so um, all of these layers there. Um, so for me, it was very much like that's the first layer that I appreciate this on. Uh, and that is also gonna be why both your book and, and this game in many years will be uh, touched on and um, like uh, referenced to. And, um, and because again, it's it's that sort of seminal exploration really, unless you decide when you're like 60 or 70 to be like, ah, gonna chuck a Christopher Lee and dive back in and add 30, 30 <laughs> more chapters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? But um, but that's that's kind of, yeah, that, that sort of main take there on on the surface. And then when it really came to, um, I think I may have surprised Logan when I mentioned like about this theory of the mother. And, and the reason I say this is because um, it kind of ties into, you know, how you mentioned, you know, at the end of the intro, like the roar of the earth kind of thing um, and, and the earth being associated with, with motherhood. Um, and um, I, again, I really, it's, I must, I have to impress it on both of you. I, I hate diving down things where there aren't clues and that you're just coming up with shit <laughs> to fill space for me. That's just,
2: that's uh, fine. The, you just got, you got out of art school. So that's what yeah, art school all
1: no, about. <laughs> <that's> about. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's like, a waste of art to do that for me but what i what i do right. see there and and then there's also the, the question of like when people read into things is like what does it say about them just for the record mum and i are cool she's cool I, I think she should make better choices in her <laughs> life but we're cool um but here's here's my take on it is that um she looks deathly pale she's like uh like almost the color of like like marble sort of thing um definitely yeah in some kind of stasis and my thinking was um When he came to this land, like the feeling of this land being so ensconced, so hidden away, so forbidden, so to speak, would imply apocrypha. It would imply that this land is probably only ever really written about in, like, sort of, again, I use the Gandalf analogy uh, of, like, you know, how he has that. Um, montage of him going to uh, Minas Tirith, diving deep into the archives. Mm -hmm. Who knows how long he was there trying to find the answers to the ring kind of thing. But the same kind of forbidden knowledge. um, Because just again, with like Voldemort and Horcruxes, he, he buried these secrets to life deep down he buried these like that and that 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 sort of gave that implication um for me so storybook on that level of like a childhood fable fairy tale the girl and the boy fantastic i'm happy to run with that but if we did want to just have a little fun sort of exploring what could have led to it i i think um he's been searching for this for years like for many many years um possibly even that he um May Wanda may have been something like 10 or 11 years old when like Mono died and like something to do with some kind of like uh you know um strange magic that he wasn't able to comprehend like why like maybe with a village or something again this gets pretty vague when you go there but needless to say she isn't aging like she's dead and she's in stasis and there's some kind of curse so possibly a demon cursed her to a, a life where she was not able to pass on hence the gold the the white color of, of ghostliness um that that there's that connotation there so my thinking was that he's been he's sort of um taken this path of like pursuing all this sort of apocryphal knowledge to actually eventually find whatever kind of parchment that says turn here go over here like indiana jones style go to this mountain when the sun rises at this angle and then enter this valley and then like um you know have you seen um nick you've seen um the mummy with brendan fraser
2: sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry
1: to throw that kind of random but Hamunaptra, you know how uh like yeah, yeah it only reveals itself at, at a certain angle of the light on a certain day kind of thing for me the forbidden lands feel like a, a place out of place it feels like a like a, a sub dimension you know uh, of another world um and i weirdly get kind of you know um like david lynch like how he he, he leaves these big swaths of silence especially in the latest season of twin, of, of twin peaks mm-hmm. um where there's that and he's described like um you know he's he's you got that transcendental meditation thing i've i've always derived from this like light dark a, a, a silent well, a, sel- a You could almost use Shadow of the Colossus as like a guide for meditation in so many ways. I really feel yeah. like you could, you know, like what are you here to accomplish? What are you here um to confront and and to change about your nature and and what do you want to examine about yourself? So, um, but that's kind of my, don't want to throw it obviously to Logan to see if, but did any, did that raise anything for you at all about um. What could potentially maybe form something beforehand. Again, not going, oh, just to be lore lore filling and anything like that, but just anything that was raised for you with that at all, on Logan?
0: Um, I mean the 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 thing about the Forbidden Lands that, you know, is is special to me, and I don't remember the exact lines where this is said, is that I think it's supposed to kind of be a land where time has stopped. Isn't that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and that's really interesting. You know, you that's more than anything makes me wonder like what happened there. Um No animals. Uh, and you know, with Dorman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's everything is, is, you know, very just just kind of um quiet. You know, in stasis, like you said, Mono was. Um and that aspect is really interesting to me. I, I can't think of, of what would have happened with Dorman. Um I don't really care to. I don't know about you know if he was worshiped and then his people turned on him he turned on his people that doesn't really matter to me but but i mean That aspect of time having stopped, and then at the end of the game possibly having resumed again—it's kind of hard to say. Oh, yeah, um, is like the most interesting thing.
2: I think when they show like the hawk flowing through the you know the or flying through the skies, I think you sort of see that like it's raining and seasons have returned in a sense, and Mm -hmm. time is flowing. And then of course when they go up to the secret garden, then they're with like a deer. You know, a deer comes out and a chipmunk, and I think like you know this stuff sort of does kick in back to life um, as as you're reborn as well. Um, Anyway, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt.
0: No, no, yeah, that's 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 totally true. Yeah, that's all I had to say, because, I mean, I can't even think to speculate on any of that.
2: <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Oh, no, well, I was going to say, I guess a couple other things, too, um, is... Uh, I, I I well one is, is events of Last Guardian, of course, and sort of Dorman's uh, you know, sort of implied presence there maybe and how that ties into things too, and whether that's a, a sequel or a prequel, but it seems like he sort of has a presence there as well that they're sort of, you know, they're keeping him maybe alive or keeping him trapped or whatever it is in that, you're you
0: know, uh Yeah, you're referring to the sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> you're just about to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that there's that element of, of Dorman at least, and we're sort of jumping all over, but um you know, I also think of uh, the Forbidden Lands sort of existing their own in their own space. Uh, maybe like the castle in Eco too. I think they're this very isolated place, and um, you know, there's sort of this uh, giant bridge that leads uh, in shadow that leads off into this place that is sort of like surrounded and cut off from the rest of the world. And in an Eco, yeah, there's sort of a bridge is missing there, but there was supposed to be a bridge, and it leads off into this, you know, this big isolated castle that's sort of like prison esque as well. Yeah. Um. And I think to go back to your, I think it's interesting hearing you talk about uh, Albert about um, uh, the idea that he's sort of been adventuring for years, I guess to me it actually feels the opposite. It feels very fresh. Cause I think right. when, when you sort of see Emon, on the like seemingly sort of the head of the tribe or whatever, talking to him um, uh, in the beginning, you know, movie and then he sort of shows up at the end of the game. And I, I feel like, to me, it sort of just happened where he just grabbed Mono and ran and then Emin and okay. his, you know, his his soldiers or whatever are giving chase. Uh-huh. Um, so to me, this feels like a fresh thing that happened over the, you know, however long that journey was a week or something. Um, but uh, I think also thinking about that, that previous Wanderers theory, I think the idea that other adventurers have come here maybe in similar, you know, dire straits and, uh, you know, Dormans tried to trick them and um, or have them make sacrifices to, you know, to do things. I think that also, I think, I guess we're, we're talking in the same realm germ- generally, which I think is this is a place that has existed for a long time. Yeah. And maybe this sort of thing is, you know, it, while it's in stasis on the one hand, maybe this sort of activity that happens in the game uh, has happened, you know, many times over mm-hmm. a stretch of time
1: that made me think of uh, the never-ending story um you know how like uh, the the sort of portal of the oracle and like like this there's, there's the sort of ruins of all the people who have tried to pass through like the, the armor sort of sc- scattered around um, and this is um, when uh, Bluepoint are talking about having sculpted uh, you know sculpting the the new Colossae that they noticed that like there's an the opportunity to add detail and they said there were only the hints of sword strikes and and like again people have tried to take these creatures down before but they have failed probably because they didn't have the sword you know um, mm-hmm. which right. which adds an extra wrinkle to like oh you can go through all these things wait for the sun to align or whatever all this sort of stuff to eventually get to the forbidden lands but you get there and if you don't have the sword that's it like it adds that extra kind of peril and that extra kind of just Mm -hmm. like and i mean you can make a whole little (laughs) i had this little funny thought what if um I don't know Marvel or Disney acquired. I don't know. This is terrible. But a um, uh, little sub story, <laughs> uh, uh, the sub story of like how you know, like as an as a like a, a, a mobile app game, uh, how Wonder got the sword. You know, <laughs> how traumatizing would that be? Um, the death of. Like a steal the I sword wonder.
2: Sword um... Say again, Nick. <laughs> like a steal the sword mini game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Candy Crush. Go ahead, Logan.
0: Yeah, I wonder. You know if uh, someone came to the Forbidden Lands and they did not have the sword... Um, I did not! Know, sorry, would...
1: sorry. I, I apologize. I'm, sorry. I'm <laughs> oh, so <boy>. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um,
0: they, they would have to pass through the Shrine of Worship because that's where the bridge leads to. And, um, you know, that little that mysterious door that opens automatically for Wander, maybe that would have opened for them. But my question is, would they have gotten past the Shadow Guys that come up, uh, mm. which Wander holds up the sword and, and shines the light on them and they go away? No um, way. You know, would anyone have even gotten past that?
1: point yeah. i wonder right it's a very interesting question very interesting um logan um i have another question for you um so you said you got all the coins right no i didn't
0: what oh, no oh, i did not say did, that did i said i,
1: I... I... <laughs> I uh, sorry weirdly i thought oh yeah yeah um but yeah you have you've gotten a few obviously and stuff right there i've be...
0: gotten 12, 12 so
1: far from all. Um fantastic oh sorry weirdly i, what, I what think there's this...
2: like 79 right
1: 79 yeah what could the... oh nick join in, join with me an hour podcast de- deliberating the meaning of the number 79 what could this mean <laughs> 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 no but um but yeah um anything like let's talk about architecture so you know giovanni battista piranesi we talked about like the prisons the you know about this guy obviously um logan um who was it okay oh, yeah. so um he's basically um uh nick help me out he's um italian painter uh, sorry italian um artist A uh, sort of draftsman and he created these sort of prisons didn't he
2: yeah like a, a series of Im- of imagery of these amazing sort of uh interconnected uh prisons a whole series of, of okay. portrait pictures or paintings um and i think that that you know inspired a lot of the uh work especially on the i think in the sh- in the castle and eco yeah um, but Is this generally some... i think
0: Sorry, is this sorry. the same guy who inspired... This is a different guy than the one who inspired the Eco cover, though, uh, right? George, that was,
2: yeah, like, Kiriko um, or
0: something? Kiriko. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Giorgio J. Chiraca, or I don't know how you say his name, but... Waka, <laughs> um, Waka, sorry.
1: Chiraca, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Uh,
2: yeah, a bit, a bit
1: different, though. Yeah, different guy. Um, but, yeah, if you, like, think of it... um, Actually, it's a bit different. You know how the start of... um. There's a bit of a kind of connectivity, but you know, like uh, Logan at the start of Last Guardian, there's that kind of old kind of style of like drawing. You know, there's the, um, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, the uh, um, the cryptids. You know, all that sort of thing. Um, De- Batista, what he did is, um, yeah, he created <laughs> these enormous, incredibly beautifully detailed um, sort of prison systems there, and. Um, so no no like yeah the the prison's really is is more about like um like yeah as you said eco there but there's the the architecture is is definitely like it's it's incomprehensible um and I want to talk about the bridge which is so iconic now um mm-hmm. and throw it around to you guys there so for me when I saw this it just felt um like uh yeah like these these you know the struts leaning on each other you know and again connotations of like you know um repetition and like this has been this way for ages years of millennia upon millennia and um and yeah, so I just wanted to get your th- your thoughts on um, just yeah, like the, the the general look of what they decided. I, mean, I know that there's you could almost say there's the same mason, so to speak, created all these castles, both for I mean for all three: Last Guardian, um, Eco and um, and Shadow of the Colossus. But um, any kind of thoughts on on the choices that were made um, with that with the game, uh, Nick?
2: Um, I guess I, I tend to think about that uh, less so in the in the world of the game. Um, uh, and just when you were talking about it just now and, and more in the, uh, the actual development team, cause I ended up talking about that with them a bit, uh, in last guardian and just asking, like, there are all these sort of, um, you know, just like staircases and archways and, and pillars and all these different pieces of architecture that, that has a thread through their games and, um, and, and for Ueda especially, and it's, I was sort of like poking them like, well, is this, what it, you know, what do they represent to you? Why do you keep coming back to this imagery? And yeah. It really just turned out that I think this is largely just images that they that they like and that they find you know expressive and and yeah. like working in that medium and I think um, that sort of like taste and art direction is carried through the games and uh, I think you know I, now that I know that I guess it makes me think that it's less about some uh, you know interworld connection in the games but but uh, you know it's certainly not worth you know don't want to rule anything out of course too mm-hmm. so it is interesting to think about some some ancient architect sort of like you know sculpting out the shrine of worship and the you know um the castle and eco and everything in shadow and or in um yeah castle and eco and everything in last guardians so yeah. certainly there's lots of like you know geometric similarities
0: yeah
1: um and i want to throw it to you uh thanks for that nick i'm, I'm gonna throw it to you uh logan um, based on anything that either myself or nick said go okay.
0: Uh, it, it just gives me the memory of um you know when I played when I first played Shadow of the Colossus in 2005 I was um like 12 or 13 and um I didn't even really get to the end and and so by the next time I played it uh, when when the remaster version came out uh, I didn't remember too much of it and I remember in my mind I remembered the the bridge as being like miles long. Like I remember, yeah. like in in the intro, there being this cutscene of like Wander just like walking across this like
3: huge yeah. desert. There's like <laughs> nothing
0: except except this bridge, um, and I was kind of disappointed to find out that it that it wasn't as long as that when I played the game again. But well, that's just have,
2: yeah. Have you have you made it up the up the shrine and ran across the bridge?
0: No, no, not in either version. Actually, I've never. done Okay,
2: that. so so if you're doing the sort of climb up to the secret garden, um, when you get to the uh, you know, the sort of top where it levels off, before you go up, sort of to the the left or or wanders right, um, up to the garden, you can not actually run across the whole bridge. Um, and it's interesting because when you do it, it it does feel like it, it. I think it takes like 15 minutes of real life wow. time of running. So it. <laughs> When you're actually doing it, it does feel massive. I guess you get a taste of it maybe running across the forbidden lands underneath it, although yeah. there's not quite of a clear path. But um, and it's just interesting being out there. And I write about it a bit in my book. But like being up there, um, at least playing the PS3 version. And I'm really curious to see if you can still do that. I presume you can on the, on the PS4 yeah. version, but. Um, You know, running long enough, a few interesting things happen where you can sort of see Agro far below the whole time, sort of like a little dot moving. And, and, uh, the, the, it's so, he's so small that the animation sometimes just turns into like this little, like, jumpy black (laughs) line that follows you. Uh, and then eventually the sound cut out completely when I was up there. Mostly it's just that you hear the wind, but then it just, like, went silent. Uh, it seemed like you're sort of like pushing the game to its limits in a way, especially on the previous versions. And then if you get to the other end, there's sort of the, this, like, little, um, like crevasse between two statues that wander enters in the beginning of the game and that's still there. Uh, but there's like a wind pushing you back so you can't go through it cause you just sort of uh. get forced back and knocked over. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. Cause it, it, uh, I mean, I know what you mean. It's like that feels representative of like growing up generally where spaces and things you thought were huge, like mm-hmm. when you were, it are not the same when you're an adult, but it yeah. is interesting actually running the whole thing and having it feel huge. And there's <laughs> an interesting quote too, from, uh, Eric Chahi in my book, um, who did like uh, From Dust in Another World. Love that game. Um, amazing. Dude. And he yeah, and he uh he had a note about how he just likes the sort of scale and feel of the game where if you're not on agro, then the world just feels like it stretches out infinitely and just goes on forever mm. and totally changes your relationship to it. Um, whereas, you know, when you are on agro it's like and you have your companion, then it's then it's you know much more doable.
3: Mm.
1: That's right. Did you have any other extra sort of anything based on maybe like we can dive into? I mean, poor Agra. I don't even have an have him in any of my <laughs> outlines for episodes. You know how I've, I I sent that to you, Nick. The um outline sort of our schedule going into E right, three. Right, yeah. yeah, I'm awful. How atrocious am I? This guy is he's MVP for this game. It uh, is a um
0: Agra is, a, is a is a she right.
1: Uh yeah, so my
0: apologies. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's sure. she's absolutely MVP
1: for this for this title. Um and for this story. And that's
2: really. one yeah. One side note about the new version actually is interesting because, you know, that was sort of a infamous mistake, I think, at least amongst fans of that Agra was meant to be a she. Um I think it actually wasn't supposed to be acknowledged early on, even if she actually was a she. And then, you know, they said like get on top of him in the original version, mm. so everyone thought Agra was male, but <laughs> in the new version they did take the pronoun out of it, so there isn't actually a reference to the sex of Agra.
1: There you go. Well, um, I'm glad that they did those little little repairs there, so to speak. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Okay, well, we sort of ruminated a bit on, uh, yeah, just the sort of setting and such. Um, We talked about, like, um, art direction a bit in sort of the lead up. We talked about um, the choice in sort of lighting and everything uh, with um, how they laid out the Forbidden Lands. And and again, um, I'm sort of, again, sort of weaving it into this episode for for listeners that um, by now should already have downloaded your book um, while they're listening. (laughs) but um needless to say at the beginning you you discuss how like there are there are sections of the forbidden lands they literally lead nowhere it's just setting it's just dressing um um and like what is the point of that like isn't there a collectible at the end and as you said if you don't know about the fruit for example um there's literally much not nothing much else you know um and how you also discussed that that was super bold it's like no we're not going to fulfill this we're going to chuck a david lynch you know david lynch he he makes these shots last insanely long because it's about Mm -hmm. you and your relationship with what are you seeing? How does it make you feel that I'm holding this shot on a teacup for like 10 minutes, you know? Sure. (laughs) Like, and it becomes about introspection that way. Um, In what way, Nick, do you think the um, Forbidden Lands, like in in the way that they were put together, serve the
2: narrative? Yeah, that's a great question. you know i think some of the spaces too while they are certainly like leftovers from previous colossus fights or just places where the call and and this is something that nomad really recreates amazingly well is is showing that some game some locations in the game were locations where some of the existing colossi used to be before they were moved um but I, you know so i think some of it was just sort of the the ebb and flow of development moving things around but it's it seems like the team was happy to just sort of explore this space and build it out and have it be just a place to, to spend time in. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it's different if you were in some hub world and you just choose a door and that takes you off to go fight the Colossus. Uh, mm. But I think the fact that you really have to go right across these landscapes um, and, and explore, sense of mystery and exploration and then so you know you you know as we know of course you are the aggressor in this game so giving you these opportunities where you really have to go all the way to these layers and then penetrate them and then you know awake the colossus and then fight them it's like it really sort of hammers at home it's like you can go explore forever but sort of your you know wander's burden and the player's burden is that eventually you have to stop doing that and you have to go fight them and you know i I don't know how how much that was was a conscious sort of like mood setting by Ueda when he was working on it. Um, I'm sure it's, you know, in some ways, yes, in some ways, not at all. But it's it's interesting that a lot of the game sort of is derived from, uh, you know, versions that existed along the way.
0: Hmm. Uh, Logan, did you have anything for that one? No, that's a, uh, yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. It's, um, the nature is there for you to fall in love with it. And then you kind of have to, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> turn away from it to, to to do your to to go past your destiny i guess
1: that's right um i want (laughs) to bring up something you mentioned logan not too long ago in one of the other Mm -hmm. episodes you said about the emotional roller coaster of of shadow and that you um and nick you touched on this as well when you were saying about how the the seasons start up again at the end and sort of thing um that uh like and we were diving into like what 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 could be a hypothetical law that could lead us to this place um you know there is a callousness to what wonder is doing um we touched on this in our last episode actually um and logan came to your, uh, uh um wonder's, wonder's defense when i said like uh i <laughs> because I, I resonate so much with nature i think we can learn more from nature than from any self-help books it's just um the concepts of, of balance of of uh, of of something arising naturally and that like things needing to be in balance and and also the callousness of like nature can really just sweep you aside like you know natural disasters and such you know um which really primes you for how unexpected life can be um and it can also be gentle it can be also all these things and and in, in many in many cultures um nature is sort of upheld as like the ultimate teacher and um, so well, I got really close to the Colossus and, and I see them as these avatars of of nature but here's the thing though nature is as we see it in our world just like mountains trees and such could the colossi be basically inventions of some a, 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 a force maybe a consumerist kind of force trying to um harness nature and like bottle it and um you know create these avatars maybe you know the um architecture that like is surrounding these colossi is like almost like seals to try and kind of shape and misshape nature into these grotesque kind of like shapes um to, um, to, to kind of harness nature in a way. And could, could I be, as someone who loves the colossi, could I be misreading this? And then could they be like aberrations? Um, I'll throw it to, uh, <laughs> Nick.
2: Man. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic. I think just sort of how they relate to their surroundings. And I think, you know, uh, just talked a bit about how he wanted them to, and the rest of the demons, you know, talk to me as well about how, um, they didn't want it to just feel like a sort of part of the scenery or feel like animals or feel like machines or anything. It's sort of, they exist somewhere in between there. Um, but it's interesting thinking about too, what, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm tying this more to the colossus themselves, but, uh, sort of like what, you know, what they're obviously sort of trapping these different pieces of dormant as well. So what were the Colossi like before they, you know, inhabited this and, and why are they in this, this little quiet corner of the world? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, those those themes of nature are interesting, too. And uh, there's a, a quote from um, a way to, uh, I think in the in my shadow book where he talks about how a lot of games give you sort of the, the impression of nature, mm. um, but more just sort of as a summary of like, oh, this is some like here is some nature over here. But I think he really wants to like luxuriate in it a bit. And I think it's an important part of his life. And so he wants to give the actual true impression of how what it feels like to be out in nature
0: in his games. Mm, absolutely. Um, Logan, anything for that one? That's um. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from Nick Sutner uh, to be able to put uh, any thought in the best possible way about these games. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've, just, yeah I, I've just I've
2: just lived in this rabbit hole for a long time. So yeah, yeah. we all we all have we all have. We all have so. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I tend to um. You know, my default thought is that the Colossi were created by whatever ritual seal Dorman. Uh, they were created at the same time. It's interesting to think that they might have been around before that. I've never really considered that.
2: Right. Um, like, uh, I see. Yeah. Like, like guardians for him, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Potentially, or um, we need to just have it and kind gonna of put this on the on the radio waves, and I want the um NYC Times or whatever to report on it. It's like finally unmasked. Um, hey, uh, J.K. Rowling totally stole the the ho- the Horcruxes <laughs> from. <laughs> just saying, Maybe. you know, so, you know. I don't know how many. I think there was like seven Horcruxes. Yeah, seven. Um, yeah, there are seven. And I, look, I'm kidding. I love. Yeah, that's right.
2: funny though. I've never actually thought about that, but you're. I mean, it's you know, spot on.
1: Yeah, like these things where the power is hidden away within them, and uh, they're scattered around seemingly trying to again inconquerable maybe like with all Cruxes it's about like how how small they are and how unconquerable and, and unfindable they are from that small scale but with the right. cross they they're meant to that power is never meant to be uh, uh, usurped um from anyone that's why the he, um Dorman, um Uh, you know, imbued them in in the Colossae. I wonder if the Colossae may have been actually maybe peaceful and and that he arrived here to just say, well, you know, um, uh, I found this kind of whatever kind of sort of demonic demonic, um, world, uh, sorry, um, life and death bending power that um, I needed to find vessels for them and that now they're, um, as you put it really beautifully in your book, um, dimly sentient. Like Mm -hmm. that these creatures may even have been... um, like less of like lumbering brutes kind of thing that they, they, they've maybe may lobotomized by, by, Dorm- by Dorman in a, in a really <laughs> sad way, you know?
2: Yeah. And then also I think when you, I mean, just sort of jumping between games and when you think in last guardian about the, the soldiers, the Yoroi, uh, yeah. like the inhabited suits of armor and what that presence is. And, and is that similar to the shadow creatures that exist in, in eco and, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of theories you can spin up from there. And I think in last guardian, especially it's, there's a lot of theories about sort of, you know, alien, alien ships and such. And, yeah. um, but there is something to be said, I think, for this sort of, uh, you know, not not unwilling, but yeah, not entirely sentient force, and sort of where that all comes from, because it does seem like it is all tied together in some way.
1: It does, yeah. Um, hey, Logan, do you think there's a connection between, uh, apart from thematically, between um, uh Adolman and the uh, master of the valley, as well as just being essentially the antagonists?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, similar to to the whole mono and the queen theory that tends to go a bit too far okay. um, for me in terms of like where I'm willing to go with, with theorizing about the games. But um, I, I do think that Dorman could possibly be connected to the sarcophagus, which I think m- might not really be like the master of the valley. Mm. Um, I think the theory that the master of the valley could almost be like sort of an AI is probably pretty close to what it actually is. And that the thing in the sarcophagus probably isn't uh, some sort of incarnation or previous incarnation of the Master of the Valley, but is rather uh, the creator of the Master of the Valley or something of that nature. I think that sounds pretty likely to me and that could possibly be related to Dormant, but um, I like you that. know, I, yeah, I mean, that
2: sarcophagus is made of 16 pieces.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Wow. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, but I that.
2: think it's interesting to think about, especially if that is Dormant of whether they are, uh you know whether he's sort of being kept at bay there um or whether he's sort of being kept alive like is you know do they do they want to bring him to life or do they want to like protect the world from him
0: i mean yeah you know in in eco obviously uh you know if eco would have been kept in that pod and would have uh whatever would have happened to him would happen to him uh the queen's plan probably would have come to fruition pretty easily right Right. Um yeah. and you know uh in the last guardian it could be something very similar where once they reach a certain number of boys that they feed to this little bird thing um you know the sarcophagus would burst open or something who knows um mm. but yeah that that's also a really interesting thought uh if the they were trying to keep uh whatever's in there at bay and if they were then man I, I want a sequel to that and I want to see yeah. <laughs> what happens
2: with downloadable when ebook that
0: thing, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see what happens when that thing gets out
2: speaking of uh feeding birds i'm gonna feed my cat in the background so he doesn't meow and interrupt us Uh, i can still hear you chatting but i'm gonna step away for for 30 seconds but keep on going without me
1: he or she is more than welcome on the show (laughs) Uh, yeah you can whether
2: you want them or not yeah
1: absolutely and like you can just bring them to do anything you like um so um no I wanted to actually talk about this uh Logan with um with this yeah as you, as you mentioned this connection between dormant and, and uh, or possible again uh, this that 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 sarcophagus connection um and, you know, the thing is, like, Dorman, as I mentioned, like, he's this sleeping being. And in many ways, you know, in, like, different cultures and stuff, we de- like, nature is described as, like, this power that is... Dorman, in a way, you know, that allows us to live here, it allows us, like, it allows this planet to be habitable, is that um, the roar of the Earth is is very quiet. Like, it's not... We're not on... Any of those other planets where it's super intense atmospheric conditions where they just wouldn't support life so um but she does kind of rear her head and that's what all these these colossi so, so to speak represent but more than that it's it's about like dorman really possessing them um do you think as well as his power being housed there do you think each of those creatures like they actually contain a bit a, a piece of dorman or is that just a, a different kind of power
0: yeah i mean i i think dorman has a line near the end of the game that um Essentially, says that you know I don't remember the exact line, but he definitely says something like, "Now that the Colossae are, are all dead, I can return to my true form because of that." Mm. Um, so there's definitely a relationship there. I, I, that's definitely what I think was implied was that the Colossae were created to seal Dormin, mm. um, and 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 that you know now they can return to him. The the wrinkle in that that I have always found interesting is that once you kill the Colossae, they take the form of shadow people who stand over Wander. And that, to me, does say that there uh, is some sort of intelligence that was there aside from Dorman's power slash soul.
3: Mm. Um,
0: And you know, once again, that's that's where the wall is for me on theorizing about that. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate (laughs) that, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because that's that's just it. Like that's my experience with these games is that like I like having that mystery. Yeah. Um, and I I I I will go as far as, as. what we see can take me and then I I will stop there and turn that's around it. and this you,
2: is my I'll stop about something else. <laughs> jump off the bus. Yeah. <laughs> the speculation bus. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I just just sat by down, but definitely was following along with what you, you guys were saying. And yeah, I think that's interesting to think about too is that the um class as representation as those shadow creatures. And I think it, I mean I agree it's like uh you know some things aren't worth reading to any further but i also wonder that the other things that increment in the game like the you know another white dove showing up for each one you Mm, kill um and the statues bursting it's like because that i think ultimately you know that's what Dorman says you have to destroy these you know these idols like these statues which are represented by colossi out in the wild so um just interesting to think about how those things tie to each other um but yeah yeah, i agree it's like that's sort of a a dead end of some sort it's like we can speculate all day but there's not you know we're not going to know any more truth to it
1: that's right and i i need to uh, use take this moment to like just emphasize like i couldn't have hoped for again a better guest to be able to to discuss this with nick Uh, and then also with logan um yeah i need that i need someone that has a wall that's just like no (laughs) like to rein you in yeah free association (laughs) i i I thrive on it i can't get through a day without like the supreme of consciousness free association non-secreture kind of stuff but um it's important and i try to enforce that myself but when i I kind of dip and kind of veer out of lane it's really great to have uh yeah and appreciate appreciate from both of you
0: <clears throat> I, I'm willing to entertain and discuss any theory on the game it's just like that's there's aren't going to be my theories yeah. you know those are going to be someone else's
1: <laughs> <theory>. <laughs> absolutely um uh, speaking of doves uh as you mentioned oh one second I'm going to mute and not sound like a um, chain smoker I'm going to cough now <clears throat> Okay, enough. Like I just like <laughs> what? What the hell was that? It's like I had like a fly what? through and like fly oh. or a moth. You couldn't like, really hear it. You couldn't really. Okay, no, no you sounded alright to me. I I I sounded husky, sexy. Was that was that what we were going for? <laughs> Not when you I want. woke up, when I woke up this morning, I was like, I'm gonna go for husky, sexy today. <laughs> <Okay>. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, I was saying. Speaking of doves, uh, you mentioned um the there's the doves, obviously, uh, present. In a few shots, I think I've got obviously in front of me with the show notes the uh, girl and the sleeping giant. There's there's four of them I think on the cover. Um, and in, and in our intro for people who like audiophiles, files, um, you hear for a um, a dove calling four times, as in the fourth title of uh, of Fumito Ueda, Ooh. who's on the horizon. So yeah, um, and they have yeah. It's, I mean I could dive into dove symbology. It's very it's very clear that it's just like an innocent soul being set free. It's like um, if people like the band Sleep here. Random shout out to them. Um, Set free the holy dove, you know? Uh, that's one of their lyrics there. So, and I'm going to commiserate with anyone who uh, was in a straight up fucking waiting for sleep to come. Fucking uh the tour manager apparently was like a shithead and now they had to cancel, so fuck you if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry. This will be a the Fumita to end and <laughs> this band podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you guys know about sleep at all? This will be this will be in bloopers, that's fine. Do you guys know about no, the, no, I don't. Matt Pike or anything? Or yeah. They're they're great. Uh, I would suggest looking into them. Um sort of drony. Very 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 Forbidden Landsy. If you listen, they have a song,
2: it's an oh, hour long okay. song called um Dr- Yeah, go ahead, Nick. I I, said, I like them as a genre, I like Forbidden Landsy. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: oh, we need that. Yeah. Uh, metal Metal bands listening out there, just like get your drone on. Like, I want Nick. Please tell me. Do you know musicians? Do you have you connected? Tell them, please, to make a concept album based on Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs>
2: There is a, uh, I think it was a band called Shadow of the Colossus um, that was like really? inspired by the game that was actually like a local metal band here. Not local, but I think uh, so like in San Jose or something that I tried to get in contact with and never heard back from. Um, but I, I'm sure there's nothing too interesting, but it's just funny that I like, took the name and some of the imagery.
1: Oh, there you go that's very interesting to think about i was gonna okay no i'll make the pun why maybe they wandered off
3: uh ha, 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 ah, there
1: ha oh, go. hey all right logan help me um so let's uh, jump back into our um segments uh so we've kind of really jumped into sort of our main topics of discussion there we didn't get any um sort of um extensive people jumping on apart from that obviously that great kind of um poster asking about like most surprising aspect but um I want to build on that actually, really, with um, with just this sort of these three subjects, you know, forbidden lands, mono, wonder, um, this, this sort of sort of vignette that is created like like to start the story. It's it's obviously very classic kind of like fairy tale kind of fable sort of thing, um, and then the sort of evil overlord sort of thing. Um, and you know how like there was that book that was written. It was um, I, is it you um, uh, you were there? or so there was that book made for um, like uh, I- Ico. Oh, sorry, Castle in the Mist. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Had you read that by any chance, Nick?
2: No, I haven't. I I don't know. I've been sort of hesitant about it. And it was, um, (laughs) was, yeah, I was visiting a friend recently and had a copy on his shelf. And uh, it's just like the. The actual core story of of Eco isn't that uh, I don't think it's that inherently interesting to me, yeah. and I don't really need to know uh, sort of more about those characters. And that's not, you know, it's not like it's an official lore book by any means. I think, of course, if Oedo wants to write that book, I'm interested in a different way. That's exactly what I was saying. But this is just sort of say. someone doing this this fictional take on it. It's like you know, I don't know. I could I could think through a fictional take myself. Um, so yeah. I you know, I'm curious, but I, I don't really see myself reading it
1: yeah well that was kind of be my basically my question is if um down the line as we've experienced with this remake we've seen that this story isn't is is the kind that is set to endure well into sort of art and media going forward as, alongside your book i again they're inseparable to me i just tie them together it's just it's just a matter of course right, right. um if i had for example like if nick you wrote a book just as impactful just as insightful about like i don't know like star wars or like um avatar or um uh you know <laughs> um like uh, midnight in paris or something like like once you make that connection like it just becomes just that perfect companion piece where it's just um I don't know if you have this for anything, maybe um for yourself, Nick. Is there something where you've you've read some ancillary piece that has gone so well with it, is so well tied in that like it actually sits alongside the work. Is there any example you can give us?
2: Hmm. That's a tough one to to be on the spot with. I might have to think okay. about that for a bit. Um
0: I'll but... say um yeah i'm sorry you know i don't want to interrupt but um i've i've had that feeling with music uh you know with certain works i think everyone probably has certain songs that they hear and they go wow this really reminds me of uh this movie i saw or this game i played yeah but yeah having having something that's not a piece of music i don't
2: yeah i would have to think about that too yeah that's right that's actually a super great point Though i think if you expand it a bit and think about it that way yeah i absolutely agree there's like some uh you know, a lot of soundtracks that I think endure well past the movie for me. Like something like *The Social Network*, like I think is is a great movie, but I think the soundtrack is phenomenal and um, it's sort of a regular thing for me. And um, it sort of brings you back to the the feel of the movie. But it, it you know, but I don't know. Not only is it this accompaniment, but it's it sort of has a longer life than the core thing. Um, uh yeah, sorry. I had yeah. something else I was gonna say, but I, it fell away.
1: That's okay. It'll
0: come back to you. Um and oh yeah. oh sorry. Yeah, it I was gonna over. ask
2: Logan if he if you had read any of the thirty three and a third books.
0: Ooh. Um no, you know what? My brother has read a ton of those, and I think he's going to send me a couple in the mail. Uh, I think he was gonna send me Andrew WK, I Get Wet, and uh, the one <laughs> nice. they made for the um yeah for the original Super Mario Brothers soundtrack, which sounds really cool. Oh cool um, yeah yeah so good. yeah. I'd I'd like to get into some of those. I've mm-hmm. never
2: actually read one, but that's, you know, obviously what inspired the Boss 5 book series. And I think yeah, that yeah. is a good example for some people of, yeah, this piece of supporting work that really does dive into and, and complement the original piece.
1: Yeah, I mean, we um, had an interview not long ago on our main show, which we'd love to have you on, Nick, if you ever want to uh, jump on. It's um, where I was discussing um, making just cross cross media sort of thing. He's it's this. Um, his name is Justin Dressler. He's creating a, a title um, based off of an album by The Sword, you know, Age of Winters. Oh, and, cool! Yeah, he's taking all the lyrics and he's breaking it down. He's like, there's a lyric, uh, you know, Slayer of the Spider Priest, you know, Spiller of the Silver Blood, and now he's made that an item in the game. Like, oh, the Silver Blood, blah blah blah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I was like, that's an untapped frontier. Go
2: ahead that's funny another thing that all that's all tied together is the drummer for the sword actually in recent years was the drummer for my my like favorite band of all time oh, um <laughs> that, I had, that, that it was in the book for a while actually that i wrote about um that that i took out um in editing so it's what? all it's all tied what? together
1: it's all tied together that's great is this trivet wingo or santiago uh Santiago. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that is out of left field, man. Oh, the <laughs> the kindredness increases. That's so cool. Yep. Um but yeah, and I suppose now we have sort of gotten onto the subject of yeah, just in what ways um do these enduring stories like as well as remakes and such um I want I I'm of all people even though i have a kind of cluttered kind of brain i i appreciate minimalism it's probably why i find this why i'm drawn to it so much because it calms me down you know mm-hmm. uh for me to wear to stuff and, and sky and um so i guess the subject i wanted to jump onto next is in what ways do you feel as though um shadow will continue to have to have a legacy in what ways do you think creators will tap further into the the works and what ways would you like to see it be treated um going forward
2: hmm I mean, Logan, feel free to hop in too, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll ramble some stuff as well. But uh, I think I'll be curious about the sort of longer-term reception of of this remake. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I guess depending on how well it sells and who it reaches, I'm sure a lot of people who miss out on it the first time around are playing it now. And I think that will be influential all over again for sort of a future mm-hmm. generation of game designers. But again, Shadow is sort of a tough, like it's a road less traveled and it's a tough road to go down. And there's a lot of like, technical mastery and <clears throat> excuse me ambition and i think the you know the minimalism yeah games wouldn't be able to get away with anymore so i think the sort of riskiness and the conceptual uh you know mood of it and all that is really on you know independent game devs these days but they're never going to have the budget to <clears throat> excuse me uh to quite do it on the scale that way you know, was able to do it in so it's interesting it as sort of a an influential piece now but hmm. I think Eco, you can you can trace the legacy, and you can look at The Last of Us or Half Life, or you know all these games that have um, you know that have sort of a companion um, in your relationship to them. And uh, well, I guess Half Life was maybe around the same time, but um, yeah. generally, yeah, again, Eco, I think has this clear lineage. But Shadow is sort of you know that grew down this other weird branch that has been as of yet unexplored. But I don't know that that it needs to really. I think you know I did talk to you know I interviewed a lot of different game devs for the Shadow of the Colossus book, especially, and and I think a lot of them felt like. This was just this very singular thing that was done a specific okay. way that had an impact of uh, you know on them, um, but maybe they they didn't feel the need to sort of go down that same that same path. It's more like taking away the virtues of minimalism and mm. uh, thinking about storytelling that way and about very evocative imagery and a sense of awe. Like you know, Genova Chen at Co- that game company, that's what he took away from the game. I think is the sense of these huge spaces and creating the sense of awe in you. Um and it's interesting, even on the, the PlayStation live stream I was on last week with Greg Kasabin from Supergiant, who made Bastion and uh, Supergiant and or Bastion and Transistor Empire, and going into Transistor, just being their second game, uh, Shadow was a big influence for them mm-hmm. um in ter- in terms of or for him personally of like what he wanted the second game to to represent. And even though I think I'd call him maybe like a maximalist in terms of writing at least, like <laughs> you know, it really flushes out these worlds. Um, you know, I think there, he was subconsciously inspired by it, so maybe it is more influential than I give it credit for, but certainly not in like a in an overt way like Eco is.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, there's one series that I've I think I've absolutely seen uh, inspiration from Shadow of the Colossus in. It's a little series called The Legend of Zelda. Um, I think in, yeah, in yeah, Twilight Princess. Uh, in Twilight Princess, uh, you know the field of the the Hyrule field is like really huge. <laughs> And like, there's not much of a reason for it to be that big. And I think there was some inspiration from Shadow there. A lot of the bosses in Twilight Princess are real, are also really huge um, in a way that the bosses in previous elders were not always that big. And then of course, in Breath of the Wild, I think there's even more inspiration where your horse will uh, sort of has its own rudimentary AI. It'll follow certain paths on its own. Um, And there are these divine beasts, which are essentially colossi uh <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah, than that. yeah.
2: that's a super great call uh that i i totally it's funny i'm actually playing i mean i haven't played it in a couple of weeks but i'm like sort of in the middle of the game right now i got yeah. i got a switch sort of late and and just got to it but yeah you're absolutely right i think um especially breath of the wild i'm sure more than any other you know zelda before also absolutely. just gives you the sort of moments to breathe in these you know, mm-hmm. beautiful landscapes so you're yeah you're spot on
1: yeah and um, that's why i added the uh switch to your business card there buddy <laughs> because that's like because i I, I, had, I had i had known that you were um, diving into it no absolutely i mean yeah um good, good definitely good uh good touch on there on um, uh logan with the, the divine beasts um and i think another thing which is interesting is um i have this weird again i see patterns you know about apophenia by any chance um uh, Nick, it's the no, uh, yeah, I don't think so. It's the human tendency to perceive patterns where there are none. It's a it's okay. a precursor to insanity, I suppose. <laughs> 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 but I try to stay at least have apophenia be my wall, kind of thing. But what I've what I've noticed is that uh, so we went eco is like closed, closer off experience, you know, more claustrophobic. Open world shadow, closer, more claustrophobic experience with Last Guardian implying potentially that the next one will be more open world. And we speculated about this. Um, and I think yeah, the way that himself uh, yeah. said that he wanted to do another open world. So, so I kind of see that pattern. And, and um, so and I think, again, just like how in a post-Shadow of the Colossus world we saw inspiration being taken there, I've already got the sense from Breath of the Wild that we're going to have a post-Breath of the Wild world. Um, what do you reckon, Nick? <laughs>
2: hmm i guess to me it's weird thinking about shadow of the colossus as an open world game like it's a big open space but it's not structured the same way Mm -hmm. as as what you know people would consider an open world game and even like zelda where it's more about things organically (laughs) happening to you which it you know isn't the case in you know ueda's games are much more linear and authorial and scripted and you know every moment is calculated um so I'd be curious to see if if he means, you know, if Guido means open world in that sense of having sort of dynamic uh, you know, gameplay and a world that is reactive to you, um, versus sort of the, you know, creating the the like facade of an open world uh in shadow. So I'm curious to see what he means, but I'm I'd obviously be super interested in that. I think I'd you know, maybe I would also be more interested in that from him at this point than another sort of linear story.
3: Hmm.
1: That's right. Um, I can't obviously um, pass up the opportunity to ask you about Rain Over Me, which was a title that came out in 2007, two years after speaking about the influence of Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, Kotaku wrote of it, um, Rain Over Me's inclusion of the video game Shadow of the Colossus um, was praised and said, stating that it must be one of the first Hollywood films, if not the first, um, to deal with the games uh, thematically and intelligently. Um, have you seen uh, Rain Over Me by any chance? Oh, oh, for me? Yeah, just yourself, Nick.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I yeah, I write about it in the book a bit as well, too. Yeah. Um. So I and that that Kotaku article is great. Actually, I think it's a really insightful piece. And I actually reached out to the director, um, uh, of the film to talk a bit more about that influence. And um, uh, and or I'm, I'm trying to. I think it was actually the. I forget if it was like the producer or the director who uh, Mike uh, Binder
1: the and then Jack, well, Mike and Jack Binder. So I, maybe
0: they're brothers. That one director. Well, yeah, I guess
2: producer. it was Mike. I think that I reached it was out to the, him. Um,
0: Sorry, it was one of the editors who suggested the inclusion of the game.
2: Oh, that's right. I think I think it was actually him then that I reached out to uh, when I was working on the book. And I heard back from him pretty quickly uh, to have a chat. But then I just never he like never answered any other emails Mm. for whatever reason. He just sort of disappeared. So that didn't happen. But it's yeah, it's interesting seeing just seeing it in that context. It was always like a little bit weird, but I think it serves a great purpose in the film.
1: True. Exactly. And again, there's that. It, it really again this this idea of it leaking into all these different um this this you know ueda resonating with with um, spheres outside of the industry. Um, you know, Kojima has this a bit with like out of nowhere you'll see oh Kojima is you know best buds with George Miller and like JJ Abrams and such. Um, uh, I I really loved reading that you know uh, he was just nominated for an Oscar actually at uh, Johnny Greenwood, um, uh, for Phantom Thread. How he how he mentioned that like it was one of uh, eco was like possibly the best game you know just to have that kind of and then obviously we can't um pass up talking about guillermo del toro who is like he's 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 got all the love for this one <laughs>
2: absolutely yeah it's interesting seeing the sort of other you know uh filmmakers and and musicians and stuff outside of and and maybe that speaks to his credit of like creating something with a team of people from outside of games and he has influenced a lot of people from outside of games so maybe that's a place and this is probably some other you know article for someone else to write i guess but that's a place where i think shadow's influence could probably be seen maybe even more than in other video games is is in other media and just generally creating moods and people like johnny Greenwood. you wouldn't think about it being influenced by something like that yeah
0: that's right anything uh, for that one there logan um i've just I, well first of all i watched rain over me for the first time yesterday
3: there you go <laughs> so that's yeah, kind go of funny mm-hmm. yeah i How told I you i was gonna do it
0: um it's uh pretty uneven as a movie the script is it weird is. it's the, uh, the, uh, there's yeah. some yeah there's some weird subplots but um aside from like you know the mistakes that any movie is going to make when they try to include a video game. in it, like, they weirdly call it shadows of the Colossus, which I almost feel like must've been somehow intentional in some way. Cause like, obviously there was a lot of love for the game on the crew. I won't speak to that yeah. um, compared. I wonder, to wonder though, other- if
2: that, I wonder if that though was just like, like Adam Sandler saying it wrong and no one wants to like do Probably. another take just yeah. to correct them.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> could have been. Yeah, and, and you know, compared
1: shed, shed, to shed, sorry, movies, sorry, shadows of shadows of the, yeah. <laughs> of the <classes>. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I yeah. had to. Please continue.
0: But yeah, compared to other movies that have um, featured video games, I mean, it's it's head over heels in that respect. I mean, you know, I I I'm also kind of sad that they didn't actually like go into the whole reasoning of why he plays the game in the movie so much. But like, it's very clearly intentional. You know, in that Kotaku article, the editor talks about where his inspiration for including it came from and why he thinks Adam Sandler's character likes the game so much. Mm. And that is is really cool to see. I mean, I think, you know, in 20 years, when you bring up Rain Over Me, no one's going to even, you know, no offense to Mike Binder, no one's even going to know what it was except for John of the Colossus fans. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. Way. The game and, will outlive and the movie's legacy. Of, yeah. And fans of Sandler's dramatic work, which is uh, substantial.
2: Yeah. Uh, he he stars in my favorite
0: film. Yeah. What is it. that, Punch Drunk Love? It is, yeah. That's, yep, that's my favorite uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film. So yeah, we're yeah probably nice. in my top five. So we agree on Excellent. that. That's awesome.
2: Um, quick quick time check for me. I probably yeah. got to duck out here in a couple of minutes, but that's feel free to go on without me, obviously. Um, of course. No,
1: no. Um, that's it. Yeah. And and you just let us know whenever. You... Did you need to um, actually pretty much now-ish? Um, you can let me know. Uh, in like, it was, uh, yeah, a couple of minutes. But uh, no, Larry, yeah, Larry David. Uh,
2: We can, <laughs> can figure whatever, it out. Whatever's easier.
1: No, I want to do a round of that. Uh, come on, let's get some... Uh, it's fine. Oh my God! Yeah. What is, what is... I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I I, I wouldn't attempt
0: <laughs> to even impersonate the Majesty of Larry, oh,
1: Larry fucking David exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, that's yeah. I really love that you both spoke to that. For me, reign of reign over me very clearly. I think I t- touched on it on 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 the earlier episodes. It was really about um, the themes of you know wanting to bring uh you know a loved one back to life, which he's 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 very much not like that's the, the whole premise of the character is that he's not letting her go mm-hmm. uh, and that he would obviously want to keep her memory alive by keeping the pain inside and this is something that in like relationship theory and but also psychology and just in, in just like culture really is that there's a a, a mis a miss um, a misreading of, of of death in that that you keeping them keeping the pain is to keep them alive and sort of thing uh is to not to not let them go means to sort of in a sense keep them alive um and so there was that angle and then the other thing was not letting himself kind of essentially erase the idea of these massive colossal structures you know again, people talk about trauma that like they don't go to certain you know um locales maybe where trauma was uh where the trauma was inflicted because it would remind them of that so he's sort of in a way self-harming through shadow of the colossus which is very intriguing because it's it's meant to be uh yeah definitely not intended for that but yeah there's 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 an entire other podcast there i suppose but um, um how's the cat is she happy and, and fed
2: oh yeah no he's good yeah he can't chill out so that's nice oh
1: and is that yeah. is it would this be the same cat from the photo that i pulled for your business card
2: uh, the very the very same yep the very same. <laughs> well whoever what's what's his or her name uh finn his
1: name is finn finn fn one eight (laughs) seven. sorry right right well i'm I'm gonna let you go but uh, as a as a as a thing to sort of um leave us off with um as in terms of any upcoming projects that i know that possibly there are things that you can't talk about but um what what did you want to sort of tail off with with um uh the listeners of film to podcast going, going forward into this chapter by chapter do you have any advice for us as we sort of um proceed
2: um who uh, advice no, no no advice I mean I think you guys are you're you're you know doing the Lord's work in a sense uh, I say as an atheist but um <laughs> uh, it's great I'll, I'll certainly be listening along and I'd love to join you guys again at any point um it's been a, been a great chat and I appreciate you guys having me as far as my stuff there's not too much to promote right now I mean I'm N. sutner on Twitter and s-u-t-t-n-e-r uh that's sort of the easiest way to get a hold of me I also have nicksutner.com is more a website of just sort of the work professionally i have done so far and some contact info there for people to get a hold of me i'm mostly just doing sort of consulting work and writing work and working on board games and comics and video games and um awesome. just trying to try the freelance life for a bit and seeing seeing uh if that sort of helps some of those existential doldrums that we talked about
0: <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. can relate man go ahead Logan. and um the the book is is that still fifteen percent off with the uh, the agro code?
2: Yeah, you're right. I should probably promote the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. books. That <laughs> oh, well talked. done coming in um, with the supporting.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the as far <laughs> as I know,
2: it is actually. I'm not sure when. I don't. I, I don't think uh, it has an end date right now, and we'll shut it down probably at some point. But yeah, with the code aggro, it's fifteen percent off right now on bossfightbooks.com. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can also get the book like as an ebook on Amazon, um, and then uh, Last Garden: An Extraordinary Story is on Amazon as well
1: as well yeah and listeners do absolutely as i did i just jumped on boss fight books it's super intuitive they have the little drop down there you can choose ebook uh, um, a hard copy or both go for ebook uh, put in aggro and it's like for me it was something like four or five dollars um, australian so um, dive in it's it's you won't regret it and just like read it on your way and you can even if you want to do the whole audiobook thing and use series disembodied voice you can just drag down the two fingers from the the top <laughs> it's like an option you can do like a readability thing and you can listen to the whole thing as an audiobook too so yeah for people who like to try and put time in but nick um there's no amount of words that could ever kind of adequately express how how grateful i am for you to have come on the show you have to gandalf My pleasure. gandalf appears sort of appear in the in the show again sort of dive in and help <laughs> help us when we're uh for any of the upcoming Colossae. you have the schedule there so um, and i'll chime in here and there to see if uh, if you're yeah available
2: cool sounds great uh, thanks so much guys i really appreciate the time and uh great having a chat with you
0: all right uh, Logan, do you have any uh, last words for nick yeah no it was, it was a real pleasure having you on real pleasure cool.
2: nice guys take care man bye easy bye,
0: bye.
1: fantastic all right well <laughs> uh mr L- mr logan well i think we got there is so many so many things you raised that i just would not have thought of uh, otherwise man and uh and, and nick as well but uh how did how did you how did you um find the episode man
0: yeah i thought it was great i mean obviously you know he's he's been steeped in this game more mm. than almost, you know, maybe anybody except for Nomad, and you know, they they've perhaps both been steeped in the game in different ways. Yeah, um, you know, they're they're like the two preeminent scholars of Shadow of the Colossus, and and you know, one is all about the the technical nature of the game, and one is all about the creative nature of the game. Perhaps, uh, you yeah. know, obviously they're they're probably both about both aspects, but one maybe more than the other. Um, left, yeah, left, left brain, right brain, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I really look forward to to reading the book. Yeah. Um, and seeing what his thoughts are in every colossa and and uh, or colossus and and all throughout the game. Uh, is- my, my favorite part was um <laughs> of God. the interview was was uh, my question to him about whether he thought he had any more insight and and his answer was like pretty much yes. <laughs> just, like,
1: <laughs> I really like um, that, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and like, you know, um I, I definitely want to phrase that question in a way where like, um, I did not at all want to pressure him to reveal anything that he like learned from later about anything. Cause like, you know, like I said, later on, like, I don't really care to know, you know, much more than what's there. Um, I mean, well, that's not necessarily true. And I, in some ways I want more than anything to know what, what the mysteries, what the answers to the mysteries are, but then, um, I don't really mind not knowing also. Exactly. Um, so it was very cool to hear his answer to that, that, you know, some stuff was left out of the last Guardian book. And then later he he kind of made a reference to Dorman being related to that sarcophagus and I was like, oh man, like does he have more information? But like, you know, we'll never know. And and that's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm really glad I asked him that. That's right. No, and 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 I think it'll be really good. And and that's why I kept kinda kept on using the sort of the Gandalf reference sort of thing. That it so it's it's the insane timing, man, of, of so far, each of our episodes have had this ridiculously like um kind of cosmically beautiful timing of like uh you know right before we did episode one there was the postcard right before we did episode two you know uh there was um you, you i think you you'd shared some news or
0: something like that that was like- yeah no that uh, it was the weird uh thing i saw in eco where you could I know. go down to the
1: yeah <laughs> that's right and then we have nick coming in here which is i, I think it's just uh well, we'll be, but now it's like we, we're obviously going to proceed as as we were in, originally intending to with with, uh, with the structure but what what greater thing to know that like say you were setting out for like a huge journey and you had only a certain amount of resources that you had planned and everything you're about to step through the door and someone just comes in and say hey take this this will show you exactly if yeah. you, it, like if you need it it's right here and it's like you know uh,
0: well it's the old zelda thing what is it what does you say um uh, it's dangerous to go that? alone yeah it's dangerous to go and that's it
1: <laughs> yes exactly so but yeah i'm I'm kind of happy to tail things off there after after an interview with nick did you have any uh-huh. extra little um uh things to tease
0: um uh the listeners with like with the, your activities no, with um, land of light and dark no i don't think so um i mean you know right now this is my activity pretty much uh, <laughs> uh you know I, I linked my full Rain over me review um on the blog. So if you want to read it, you know, landoflightanddark.tumblr.com uh, there's a link to my review of Rain Over Me. Um, and that's just pretty much the most interesting thing I posted there recently. Um, you know, right now I've pretty much been avoiding the Shadow of the Colossus tag but, you know, um, in a few days I will open the floodgates and just post whatever interests yes. me talk about the you make with everybody that's right. um, and then talk about those those little uh, I call them, you know, I guess people call them golden relics or just relics. I call them glims, which is from Ninokini. Oh. Oh, because um, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of like what they are to me. That's what they remind me of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, I guess maybe we'll talk about all that next week here, too. For sure. Well, you know, yeah, And maybe, you know, when we... Yeah, sorry. Yes, when we have Nick back on, uh, maybe he'll have formulated his thoughts on the remake fully, and we can talk to him about that too. Truly, exactly. Yeah, and
1: I'm really glad that like there was that great um you know mixture of perspectives on 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 the remake, and because uh, it's important. And I'm actually as much as I I really do consider the remake to just be the version that had been uh, again straining to come out past the you know like uh, you know the pixelization. I I describe that for me. I ultimately I would say that like what you said that they're different things. They serve different vibes different kind of feelings Mm -hmm. and they can coexist so there's no no, nothing's being taken away from the other um and that just makes me particularly grateful for like again you see so much as you said on reddit and on the web inflammatory aggressive abrasive attitudes about like ruining childhoods and all this kind of crap (laughs) i really appreciate like the solid head on your shoulders you have man
0: yeah, I mean it's it's just goes with what I said about the movie where like I kinda want them to to maybe have a couple of flashbacks in there. I want to see how they would do that. In the screenplay pages that, that were shown on Twitter, they did not do that well. But um I think you could do that pretty well if possible and, and you know if you don't like it, um then you'll always have the video game.
1: Exactly. Simple as that. So man, I am going to tail things off. We'll go into our sort of ending spiel, if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. So we okay, so listeners, um we humbly hope you enjoyed uh the discussion that we had, um and that you'll yeah join us for the sort of upcoming um explorations into the u universe that uh, we are going to undertake um, We would love to hear um your stories um as in like to have you either appear on the show if you have a particular Colossus you want to speak to, and the same way that Nick appeared just to kind of speak to that particular angle um I've posted the schedule to our various kind of outlets, including the Instagram and Tumblr and Twitter, so you'll find it there, um which basically leads us all the way up to e three so um, um, going into a potential reveal uh, or more information rather on the girl and the yeah dragon tattoo i'm uh, sorry girl and the dragon tattoo what <laughs> the girl and the sleeping giant thank you um that yes yeah, it's just a twist <laughs> a twist to the story <laughs> daniel craig stars in fumito ueda's new um, <laughs> but yeah please do yeah send your stories tattoo photos expressions of interest in co-hosting uh to fumito ueda podcast at gmail.com and yeah um did you have any other closing notes for our listeners um Logan.
0: No, no, yeah. I mean, just looking forward to E3. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah, um, I think
3: it'll be it'll be really
1: interesting.
0: You know, yeah. Ueda said uh, in that Famitsu discussion that um, he wasn't sure if he was going to, that he said he like wanted to reveal his new title soon, but he wasn't sure if it was going to be in 2018. I still think it definitely is. Mm. So um, we'll have a lot to talk about until then. For sure, absolutely. So listeners,
1: thank you so much for tuning in. Looking forward to um, sharing more tales with you on the first Colossus, Valus. Um, on the next episode so that'll be great Um, and yeah happy for you all to step out and join us on this kind of shared odyssey together so take care and until next week bye You have to have the last bite. Go.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I said. I said to myself, <laughs> I'm not going to do it that
1: time. No, have the last bite. You're my guest. You're my guest. Bah, have the last If you if you were here in my house, you would have to have the <laughs> last piece of food. If you were here in my house, I would have to. If there was one blanket and it was cold, we'd give you. You're my host, man. Sorry, you're my guest. Go ahead.
0: Uh, 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 if you say
1: so. Bye. Bye. Bye bye, bye. bye. Fantastic, dude. What's ahead for the rest of today for yourself, man?
0: I might actually go out and see uh, the 1517 to Paris movie that came out. Oh, um, i nice. not supposed to be very good, but I have a movie pass so I can basically see a movie a day for, for free. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I don't know if you know about that. You know, you pay... Uh, like 120 dollars a year, and you can see one movie a day for free, which movie is pass. so mm. yeah, it's so freaking amazing. So I can just see anything, you know, any movie that comes out. I don't care if the reviews are bad. I'm just gonna go see it. Oh, that's insane.
1: Um, I love that. And, and what that is is like it's a it's a guaranteed like chunk of like I love that. That 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 could possibly yeah. keep the freaking uh, like movie industry alive. If 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 people Time. sign
0: up onto that, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, you know, like it's,
0: it's, it, there, it almost doesn't hurt anybody. I think AMC, the AMC theater chain has, has gotten all up in arms about it just because, um, basically because when they saw that movie pass was a thing, I think they got angry that they hadn't thought of it first and hadn't, um, put out their own version of it. So they could get all the membership fees along with all the money they're already getting for people paying for tickets but um other theaters aren't even mad because when you buy a ticket through movie pass and this I, like I, i'm gonna tell you right now like everyone else who has movie pass sounds exactly like me when we're talking about it we're like we all sound like we've been paid by them but like that's just like how good it is like that, like i've no, talked to so many other people
1: that's all good <laughs> yeah, <man>. like <laughs> <laughs> like
0: like any like anyone who uses movie pass will sound like a complete show movie. no
1: man no but, like, I, I feel the same way about certain things but that's yeah great. like
0: yeah, you know, when you buy a ticket with MoviePass, like, um, it, the theater gets all the money. So like, it's almost like there's no difference, which is like, that's how they set it up. Like, you know, you pay $10, uh, you pay $120 a month. Um, the company pays for your ticket and then they get profit through like studies of people's viewing habits and various other things mm. so that's how they make some money on it it's a really interesting thing and yeah i mean like i said you know movies are a big part of my life so
1: but no i'm gonna go see that tonight I, I here's the thing i'm super jelly jealous as in because <laughs> here's the thing dude um you know, she, like, I'm, podcasts, you know, like I do Death Stranding podcast, you know, like I know that like from, um, for me to remember, Hideo Kojima, he watches a whole bunch of movies every year. Yeah. And, I, and I know that if I had something like that, I would feel that it's like a gym membership. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you would feel like you have that impetus to like, oh, well, I'm paying for this. I have to go. You know, and <laughs> and I know that I've I've just because of my stupid introverted habits, I know that I weirdly follow my like muscle memory of just going home, working on the podcast, da 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 da. Like, yeah. like, like, there's so much art out there to be experienced. Um, and I think that that's perfect, man. And uh, I'm considering a shill for it as well. Go for
0: it, free advertising. <laughs> Maybe fast, feel free to sponsor us.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: that'd be cool. Yeah. So yeah, and I
0: I might uh I might beat the remake tonight. We'll see. You know, I only have two left. I will try and beat you to
1: beating the remake. We'll see how we go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, on. It. it's on. It's um, on. But, dude, no, it's like, it's literally about, like, experiencing the story in your own time. So, all you. Dude, have a fantastic mm-hmm. week. This was one of my favorite episode, episodes ever. Yeah, and um, yeah, great. feel free to jump onto any of the others. We'd love to have you on Death
0: Stranding Podcast for sure. Yeah, and when you do that Lynch episode, I-, I will definitely try to be on. You're
1: on. You're on. That's it. We're on. Right. Buddy, um, <laughs> take care, and I'll catch up with you later. Yeah, you too, man. See ya. See you, man. Bye, bye. bye. What is up? Am I speaking with Nick Sutner? You are, sir. Fantastic. And Hi. hey, Logan, good to see you, man. What's up? Terrific, awesome, fantastic. Everyone's coming through pretty clear, which is a good thing.
2: Great, yeah, I hope this is picking up on my proper mic. Um, I can sit forward if I need to as well. Just let me know. No,
1: that's totally fine. Your um little Skype icon uh, almost feels as though if they did a Wallace and Gromit live action that that would be a character. Is, the eyes are just so piercing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
2: So, you know what's so funny that you mentioned that is I'm actually going tonight after I'm done talking with you guys to the Cartoon Art Museum here to see Nick Park give a talk. Okay, so the vibes oh, wow. are, the vibes
1: are real. The men, I love those guys. So <laughs> I love Nick Park too. It's like Wallace Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Logan, we need to do a quick roundtable. Um, Logan, I need your uh, any Wallace and Gromit voice whatsoever. Go, go, go. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> vegetables. Vegetables. That's right. <laughs> that's all I can do. Very nice. That's
1: a good, uh, that's a good go-to. But uh, we don't want to cut into all the time that you've um, allocated to us. I, I love that you, you're happy with the long form, but um, I'm very glad you told me ahead of time about when, you, um, when you're when you able to – yeah, when you have to sort of jump off. So let us crack on. Cool. I'll do a 3, sure. 1, and we'll go for it. Um, actually, what I'll all do yeah. quickly, I'll just send uh, Nick the uh, show notes. I just um, created the uh, PDF. Because... Okay, you're
2: sending it through Skype.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That's happening. Well, you've naturally gravitated to Mr. Sutner. It just sounds like like a hotel manager, like Mr. Sutner. Mr. Sutner. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I just hello. followed your lead
0: on that. Yeah, <laughs> but as long as you
1: don't mind, we we are we we kind of just like yeah. Is that cool? <laughs> uh,
2: it's, as as formal as you want to get here, you can sure. call me Mr. Sutner or I'm Nick like, or anything in between.
1: Like Nick, Sarasla, it's so great to have you on the show, Mr. Nick. Oh my God. <laughs>
3: sorry i
1: apologize I, I i've got two americans on the line i'm sure i've my social standing in your like subconscious place of like oh i'm gonna actually allocate this person less respect because they are really shit at a certain accent um but anyway thank you for bearing no, I'm, I'm pretty impressed so far actually <laughs> oh, but... thank you you're way too kind oh boy yeah the uh, the check is in the mail um mm-hmm. no i'm <laughs> kidding i'm kidding. Um, that's right. Yeah. And I wanted to say, actually, um, with, uh, you know, Logan's question and when you sort of jumped in there, by the way, I apologize if I had been like, I, I sort of went on this, this big passage. And um, um, as soon as you started talking about the difference between the uh, remake and, and the original, I was like, and I was like teeing, I was like prepping. He was in the sort of wings. I was like, this is I, this is a Logan moment. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need Logan no. to speak to this. So, I'm um, yeah, I apologize if I, I cut you off or anything. That's okay.
2: We're, we're uh, Americans. We know how to interrupt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please, at any point, just like... Just
2: go right ahead. It's it's all good. Um, And my sorry, quick note is that uh, the PDF the show notes. For some reason, the fifth and sixth pages aren't loading I know. for
1: me. I, I, no, 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 they're not loading because oh, I, okay. I have a very um let's just say tenuous grasp of how to create a PDF. <laughs> no, that's my. <laughs> <fine. That's laughs> so, I'll tell you upfront, that's right. kind of you. Yeah, actually, no, that was my oh no, my soliloquy that I wrote in, in, in tribute to it, <laughs> multiple pages long. No, I'm kidding. Well, that's already in there. In this oh yeah, yeah, I but... suppose. So. <laughs> I've had I've had people like on my other podcast say, um, you know, again, I, and I really appreciate. Again, I have to iterate please jump in at any time I did I do tend to kind of go on so it's like Logan being like it's my turn now it's like thank you man I love you you're my, <laughs> you're, you're, my you're my favorite roommate I need people like you in my life <laughs> you know? uh, but um David Bautista uh, who plays Drax um he <laughs> no I'm kidding from uh what? Marvel I'm kidding his name his last name is Piranesi right but his middle name is Bautista prison system prison system um Shadow of the Colossus sorry um <laughs> System of a Down sorry <laughs>
0: what are you doing are you you like going through some sort of word association therapy i I am
1: i am i am it's just now because i've entered that mode now where anything can mean anything sorry (laughs) but needless (laughs) to say sorry thanks for bearing with me um system of a down is a great (laughs) band and i will put this in the bloopers
3: at the end they're pretty good yeah they're pretty good thank you